What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast. My name is Mitch, one of your hosts here every single time that you tune into this program. And with me is usually always we have... You're throwing me off already. You're, you're All your sayings, you've slightly altered them. I'm Boozy. Hello. I'm back. Boozy's back. We missed you last week. We uh, I missed you guys. Last week, we kicked off Ghost Season, which we are continuing this week with uh, one of our absolute favorite people to chat horror with. Um, she's been on the program twice now. I think the first time was our the first time we ever redid an episode, and uh, that was for Hereditary. So yes, yes, I think so. it's the first and only time. And we've talked about I, doing it again, but it's because I bullied you into it. <laughs> well, it, it also it made for one of the most popular episodes that we've ever recorded. So uh, and a better saying, conversation than the first time we talked about Hereditary. Yeah, well, the, the first time was like a review, and uh, we yeah. did it with like Jeff and Johnny, our buds, and like that was so much fun, but. We recorded that like the day after it came out, so we didn't have time to fully let the movie sink in and become what it what it did. And uh, yeah, we had one of the best conversations we've ever had on that show. Lots of listeners have reached out and talked about how much they love this guest. And we are so excited to be welcoming back Cassie Ozog. How are you doing, Cassie? Hey, y'all. Hi, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back again. Of course. And the, the last time you were on was, I believe it would not last Halloween, but the one before. We did a slumber party massacre double feature, which was also a blast. Yeah. And I think I had like 24 hours for that one. (laughs) You were like, are you free Halloween? It's like, no, but yes. Exactly. (laughs) No. And uh, yeah, we greatly appreciate you making some time to come on the show. It's been too long since we've been able to do this. I know, you know, yourself and I, we keep in touch quite frequently, which is always great. But uh, it's something special being able to bring you on the show and just focus on horror and get boozy here and all of us just kind of. Let the horror horror juices flow. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I missed you both. Although Boozy and I send like we send each other shit posts pretty much daily on Instagram. I do, I do appreciate that. <laughs> also, my internet cut out for a sec. So I hope you guys weren't saying a bunch of mean stuff about me and then just like smoothing it over with that one. Nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, I, I fucking hate that guy. Out. But we send pictures, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, we never would. But uh, but yeah, like I said before, we are continuing ghost season. So today there'll there'll be food, there'll be drink and ghosts, and perhaps even a few murders. And you're all invited. Most foul, indeed. I'm so bad (laughs) at doing this stuff. This is why I'm not an actor. It wasn't the best Vincent Price (laughs) impersonation. I'm going to say that right off the hop. That was was not good. Um, Uh, I I think if you just do it in like a Boston accent, we always got that one covered. (laughs) Yeah. Like do like your your Mark. Come on in. Hey, there'll be food, drink, and ghosts. And perhaps if, even a few murders. M- murders. Murders. What are you Jeez. talking about? Murders. I think we're just digging a deeper hole here. But uh, is this a pick... ghost story about a dirty cop in Boston? Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Yeah, there Actually, we go. Right. No, on. take that out. Yeah. I'm going to write that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Patent pending. Patent pending. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't picked up on it yet, we are going to be talking about House on Haunted Hill from 1959, the original for, uh, William Castle. Vincent Price collab. We're going to be talking about that one first. And then we're going to be closing off with House on Haunted Hill from 1999, the Dark Castle remake uh, that I'm sure everyone around at least our age demographic saw that movie <laughs> way too early and too often. I don't know about you guys. And but... why? Yeah. I... Yeah. <laughs> it well, was just on. I will say, yeah, it's been a while since I revisited it. So I think we're going to have a really great conversation today. I'm very excited I think about it. So yeah. yeah. I'm excited to talk about both, both of them. But, uh, 
Uh, but yeah, before let's just let's start talking about what we've been seeing and what we've been up to. So, uh, Cassie, how about you lead us off here? Things have been very different for you in the last couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> last have. time you were uh, last time you were on, you were you were babyless. I was yes. <laughs> now I am babyful. Yeah, um, yeah. You were Sam's yeah. baby before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I now have um, an almost five month old baby. Uh, gave birth in February to. So congratulations! Thank you, my little, my new little movie watching bestie, uh, Penelope. And uh, actually, she came a little early, and uh, on her due date was actually. Um, uh, the Oscar, Oscar night on March 12th. And so she didn't want to miss it. She's like, she didn't, didn't want to miss it. <laughs> no, she did it. And so it was, she actually came two weeks early and, uh, and we actually set up and watched the Oscars together. And I had her on my lap and ate popcorn and it was just delightful. So she's been my little movie watching pal. Um, it, uh, it changes things a little bit. The first like month after having a baby, it was so funny. Like my, one of my new year's resolutions this year was I'm going to keep up with my letterbox this year. Like I'm going to like really know every movie that I watch and then you have a baby and it's just like when Netflix or whatever just like whatever movie comes up next for a suggestion you're just like yes 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 and you just keep pressing the buttons I couldn't even tell like either of you how many movies I've actually watched I feel like it's I thought it'd be less it's more movies than since I've had a baby because especially those like first two months I was just (laughs) just next 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 So so you've been you've been on a consuming spree I've been on a consuming spree. I've watched a lot of garbage. I've watched a lot of good stuff and some some good horror recently. Um, and this then sounds great, Boozy. Got... We gotta have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to say, like you and me, let's have kids. We should have a baby. We can watch more. Like I just <laughs> we last week, I had a holiday for a week, and I was like, that's the most movies I've watched in over a year in just one week, and it was so nice. Yeah, like, we've been together so nice. seven years. Let's let's fucking let's let's finish it up here. Yeah. The commitment is solid. Yeah. So does Penny watch a lot of these with you when she's awake? Yeah. And then, and it's funny because like when, you know, they're first born, you're like, yeah, they don't really know what they're seeing. And then just in like the last like month or so, it's like, oh, she's like really focusing now. So Right. I was going to, I was going to ask like, is it at the the point where it's like, oh, you're like a little too cognizant of what's, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's definitely now kind of like, all right, like, you know, usually she's snoozing on my chest or I kind of roll her away or just have her not facing me, you know, the TV or whatever. And I have my noise canceling headphones on that I'm using right now. And I, these have been living on my head for the last few months. And so those have been great because I have a a giant TV. I had, I I moved into this very old, this like almost like 130 year old, very spooky house house, actually. Yeah. And is One it haunted? Only... Like it's it's got to be haunted. It's so old. It's uh, there is. We're jumping ahead a little bit to our theme here, but there Sorry. I've gotten the sense that there's a there's something, yeah. um, but I think it's like a very chill presence who's just like vibes with just like having a drink watching a movie like being chill mm-hmm. in the house so i think we don't have any issues but I, I see things out of the corner of my eye all the time um so i get that sense but yeah like my only requirement in moving into this house of my partner who was like we're gonna renovate it top to bottom and i was like oh perfect um <laughs> but my my only thing was like can i have just like a giant tv in the bedroom so he's amazing he obliged and so i have a giant tv in the bedroom and i just sit there and i watch movies with with my kid and uh yeah it's pretty great and i hope that one day she's as big of a a horror fan as i am and then we can 
watch movies together in there and where she's actually like paying attention and we can talk through it not just yeah. like having a small child to sit and watch you're i mean gore. you're off to a good start already <laughs> i think so yeah <laughs> I also love uh, like because last week we had our friends Daniel Epler and Hayden Gilbert on and Daniel is a new father's this year and he um, he was talking about how one of his friends got him a copy of scary stories to tell in the dark and he was like mm. reading it to his infant child and he's like he's not picking up on any of this probably but it just made him so happy to be able to read it yeah. all and uh, I can say some of my earliest memories that I have are like movies. Like, I, mm-hmm. I can remember what I, I remember where I was, like, the first time I saw Jaws and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was watching that at such a young age. And, uh, they... of course, Species was a big one for me because <laughs> that, that scene. <laughs> was, but, you know, it's of... like even yeah. even being like a sick little kid at home, I'd you'd always get to, like, rent a movie, right? Like, go to the yeah. store and, like, the corner store in my case um, and go, like, pick up a video. Like, um, and, like, my favorite one was always, like, Fantasia. What I'd oh, always get to, to rent, right? Oddly scary and too. Some oddly scary. Yeah, that one creepy. scared and, me so bad. And it's so funny because, like, as you both know, like every year around Halloween for like like September and October, I watch at least one horror movie every night, um, which is not much different than the rest of my year. But uh, I post about it, and um, I always get lots of feedback from like all of my pals and followers. And the thing that always comes up every year, without a doubt, is like just how traumatizing children's movies of the '80s and '90s were. So you're right; like movies really do affect us. But I think yeah. now I've got that in my mind, so I'm like trying to ease her into you know what kind of movie she's going to experience except that there were things that traumatized me that like you wouldn't expect it to and so every kid every kid's going to be different but it does yeah it brings me a lot of joy like i i did a, a scream rewatch um last month where i just watched all the scream movies and finally watched the new one i just hadn't watched the new one um because i had some spoilers with it and i was disappointed so i finally watched it and it was fine um you know, Love that real, movie. real big, I, like Jason, Jason takes like Manhattan vibes, but I, that's okay. I liked yeah. it. Um, it was fine, you, what about but I watched it with to... her and I was like, oh, this was one of the first four movies I saw. So I'm like, yeah. it was kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're passing it on. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask like, um, between did, did you like, uh, was it, was it the one, was it last year? The Yeah. It was just last year. Yeah. That, like they were so close together. Did you like the, the previous one as well or no? No, I didn't. No. Um, I liked some of the things that they did in it, but it was just, a, I like some of the actors that they had, but I just didn't love the whole thing. Um, what I, and I think I told you, you and I, Boozy, I think we had this conversation where there was a rumor going around um, on the old internet about like, what if the, like, what if Ghostface in the newest one was in fact Sydney? Like, what if it was Nev Campbell? And like all the stuff about her not being paid enough money to come back to the movie was just this giant ruse, which would have been like the best marketing ruse ever. And so I knew that wasn't going to be true, but I had in the back of my head, that's just what I wanted to happen. So I don't think anything about this movie would have made me happy. Um, but I did. You wanted I did, like... Sydney to be, to be the yeah, girlfriend? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, that would, uh, that would kill is, me. This is the thing that's going to get me hate mail, but I think it's because it was almost like a, you know, you can only take so much, right? Mm-hmm. It, you can only take so much. And I know they've kind of built her up as like the final girl, like she's overcome her trauma, et cetera. But you can see in that in the previous movie, she hadn't really, she owned a gun. She's moved away. This thing always haunts her. And just the idea of her like taking it back and, and kind of, especially with like, you look at like, like four and five where I think that was four and five where it's like suddenly kids are like cheering this on and like the next generation yeah. is trying to revive it. And she's so angry of like, 
stop trying to revive this. This was such a horrific, traumatic thing that she turns into the killer. Pat yeah. and Pendine, <laughs> whoever's in True. charge of the screen I, movies, you know, I will write that I script for you. I would love that, honestly. That sounds <laughs> you know great. What I would love is what was the original plan for Scream 3, which is, in my opinion, the only like I, I actually don't hate Scream 3, but it is my least favorite mm-hmm. of the whole franchise. Um, but originally it was supposed to be Matthew Lillard. He was going to come back and be Ghostface, even though you see him die at the end. But how many times have we seen someone Dude, die at the end of a movie and come always back? been? Yeah, that's yeah. always been talk. And I think, you know what? Like logic aside, I think we would all like for lack of a better term, we would mark out for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been so I think- excited. I think that would be good, but yeah, I I don't know. It was going back and rewatching the originals and then watching to the new one. It was nice to watch them sequentially like that. But yeah, I just I, I felt disappointed, but not as much as I thought I would be. Um, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I've been watching that. I've been doing a lot of series reviews. Like I watched all the Batman movies, like which was all a whole of other them? like all of the, not not the animated ones. Not the animated that's, ones. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's was. a lot of animated ones, but like if we're talking yeah. like you know, Mask of the Phantasm and mm-hmm. Under the Red Hood, like those are the good animated ones. But that is a whole other can of worms. It is. Yeah. No, I started with, and I actually skipped the the Adam West one just because I was like, this is already great. We know it's great. Like, yeah. Um, but I started with like Batman, like Michael Keaton, and then went from there all the way up to the new, the latest, the Batman, which. I don't love. Um, I thought I would like it better on second viewing and I don't. And then all I could think the entire time was like, why won't somebody just take this? Like Christopher Nolan did the whole, like, like the dark night, like the vibe, like we're making this like a serious Mm-hmm. Dark we're making movies, it yeah right? it's a crime drama thriller a crime drama yeah. and then the most recent one they're like no we're actually going to do film noir which they really did with the tone and the voiceover and that kind of thing and i just was like somebody make batman a horror movie you cowards is all i yeah. can think like because everybody wants is edging towards that uh but the problem with that of course is that it would just turn into like mental illness as villain there's well, no way around that yeah. if you do it so yeah well then like yeah, we're gonna make returns. the joker not fun Batman mm-hmm. Batman Returns was a horror movie to me when I was a child and it honestly just gets more disturbing the older you get and can pick up more on what the penguin was and the oh, kind of yeah. antics he's up to it was last watch of Batman Returns changed me because like I don't remember it being this deranged like, it, it is, is. I remember going to see, and my my dad claims it didn't happen, but I have a very vivid memory of seeing Batman in theaters, and that came out in 89, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't want to date myself here, but I was like little, like six, five, okay. somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was one of those, like my, it looked pretty cartoony and my parents took us and I was like haunted by Jack Nicholson as- yeah. Right. And as, as the Joker. And so again, like there's things that's like, something's going to tra- traumatize you as a kid in the movies, no matter what. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You tell your dad, first off, quit trying to gaslight me. And second off, yeah, it is scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's my, my dad and I have had a lot of run-ins. Like he made me watch arachnophobia when I was like 12, just to, he's like, oh, exposure therapy. This will get you over your fear of spiders. And didn't go well didn't go well yeah so mostly my dad and i have just really stuck to like we watch a lot of action movies that was the thing that we watched like although one did we often would have like poltergeist like you know uh, marathons and so that was good so i have good memories again kind of circling it back but it's like i have really good memories of like movies and like movies just being i know you both are very similar but like movies have kind of always marked certain parts of my life and Mm -hmm. and that actually was something that came up when i watched uh house on haunted hill 
the, the 1999 version as I had like this very couple very vivid memories about the first time I watched that. And, you know, and, and just all of, you know, even recently I watched uh fear speaking of Mark oh, Wahlberg yes. uh, with, with a pal. And I hadn't watched that in years. That's and on we watched Tubi, it, isn't it? It is. It's actually just on Netflix now too. And then we yep. watched it over zoom together. And the whole time she was just horrified. And I'm like chuckling like, Oh yeah, this is like what movies were like in, in the late nineties. And she's like, was this like a formative movie for you? <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole time she's kept asking which one was Mark Wahlberg. So it was just, it was, uh, I've had a lot of really funny uh, run-ins around movies lately with folks and like revisiting a lot of things. So it's been, uh, it's been wild. I, I've just been knitting, hanging out with my baby and just watching as many movies as I physically can. <laughs> That's what it's all about. One of the first times you'll ever hear it's been wild and knitting right after in the same sentence right here <laughs> i'm a very fast knitter right you should see the knitting pile i've made right, yeah it gets out of control so I... it gets it gets wild <laughs> well let's uh yeah let's keep it going let's dig in so i'm not sure if you were intending on leading off with some scream movies but i personally op- openly welcome uh scream discussion but maybe boozy do you want to tell us about something you've seen recently or played or done yeah i actually i i have so much to talk about so i can cut it down if necessary but i want to mention the first thing is i actually have a couple of these on here that were recommended by you uh the first one being uh, this is on everyone's favorite shutter the new children of the corn Oh, I didn't recommend. I haven't it. seen that. Yeah, you did. You said you should check I told it you out. You should watch it. Yeah, because there's a monster in it. That's here, Boozy. Take it away. I still think there is an amazing movie to come of this. I don't think this completely hit the mark, but I loved a lot of the things this did. Um, I can't remember the little girl's name. Um, the Kate Moyer, I think, who plays the little girl in this, is fantastic. I thought she did such a good job as this like a little evil ringleader um and having it just it some of the story elements it felt like things happened too fast because you you know like the big part of this is obviously that the the kids take over and, and are kind of like bullying the adults around not kind of they definitely wait are. is that is that the plot line of children of the corn <laughs> no i can't they changed it again ish no, like... i'm kidding i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like it was just really funny the way you said that where you're like i don't know if you guys know this but like here's a big takeaway of children of the corn no that was, i wasn't trying to be condescending that way <laughs> i meant more like we all know this because this yeah. is very common uh in in uh in pop culture god damn i'm getting roasted over here anyway Sorry. uh <laughs> um i just it just it hit that point too quick and maybe if that's just like a they're they're also going like hey we all know we got to get to this so let's get to this it's just mm-hmm. it, it 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 didn't feel or as organic as they would have liked, but I loved a lot of the stuff that did. I loved the oh my god when it came to like the the lore of this, I, I thought it was fantastic, and the the creature itself um, left a little bit to be desired, but I loved the idea of it. Um, so yeah, overall, I I still think this is definitely uh, one for people to check out, and I feel yeah. bad that I I left this off or I started this off with there's still a good movie in this because I I just have a little <laughs> bit of like. I there's there's a perfect Children of the Corn movie somewhere. I'm happy that like oh I'm happy you liked it. I wasn't expecting you to like it because I haven't seen any positive discourse about this movie at all. This and once again, that's not me trying to be a contrarian. I just generally had some good stuff in it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like for me, the the biggest the thing that got me uh, wanting to watch it was my friend Dallas was just like, "There's a there's a creature in this." I'm like, "What? 
Children of the Corn, but since since when's their right? creature? And that's what made me watch it. And then when I saw what it was doing, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. Um, but I'm happy you got some enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I, I definitely I, I think that there's a lot worse things you could be watching on Shutter. And I also wonder if Stephen <laughs> King knows, like, if he's like, oh, they added this to my story. Okay. I think Steve, I think old Stevie boy has not been watching these children. Yeah, of the maybe at sequels. this point, he doesn't give a flying fuck. Um, no. I'm just going to piggyback one thing off of this. This is a rewatch I had, but I just want to mention because we're talking about Stephen King. Uh, I was on Netflix the other day, so I watched 1922 again. Ooh, that. Oh, man, I, I feel like that has gotten forgotten a little bit. But that is such a gem of a movie and just so dark overall. And, and just watching it again and really taking in the fact that like Thomas Jane nails it out of the park as being this just like nefarious farmer even down to like his mannerisms there's one scene where he's smoking a corn pipe and i swear he fucking like lights half of his eyebrow on fire but doesn't miss a beat and keeps the drawl going he's a hard ass yeah he is god, a I love Tom Jane. yeah god yeah. i love him you know i Me never too. watched that i remember reading because it's based on a short story right one yeah. of his yeah. like king's short stories and i loved the short story and i think i did one of those things where it's like the movie came out and i was too scared to watch it like that it was going to ruin it. And then I just never got around to watching it. So I'll add that to the list. Yeah, it's really good. Cassie, you should definitely check that okay. one out. It's, it's I a will. cool one. You know, that list. like name a better better duo meme. I think like Tom Jane and Stephen King stories go together. Like yeah. peanut butter and jam. Or Tom Jane and a gun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, Shut out the mist. <laughs> Eric and I off Eric and I often have a, a disagreement of who's the better punisher. Because like... He's like, no, mm. Tom Jane. Tom Jane was the best Punisher. And I'm like, ah, no, I got to go with my boy. Like, Dolph Lundgren? Like... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's my boy Dolph. Well, Dolph Lundgren, is, Dolph. he's the OG Punisher. Oh, no, I was going with, the, oh, my God. See, this is what mom brain does John Bernthal. You. Yes, my boy, John Bernthal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's probably the hottest Punisher. <laughs> no disagreement. Maybe, I don't know, Tom Jane's pretty hot, too. It's... You know what? Let's have let's have the listeners vote on it. Yeah. Get back to who is I, I don't want to say it. yeah. I don't want to say anything because last time I mentioned about anyone <laughs> from any time period being hot, I got roasted for that. I don't. What? That's not okay. Uh, we don't slut shame on this podcast. Yeah. No. I. I don't. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. But I, I think it was Tom Atkins. Was it? Oh no, you were talking about. I got and Cassie. You're going to be able to settle this real quick. Okay. Um, oh, here okay. we go. Chris Sarandon Chris from Sarandon. Fright, Fright Night and Child's Play. Right, one, that's it. Yep, that's one of the it. hottest men of the eighties. Uh, How was that the guy 80s? the hottest? Right? Oh my How god! How is he the hottest oh. guy of anything? And he's Jack Skellington in uh, Nightmare Before I'm, Christmas. Hold on, I gotta look up some photos of him, like from that time period. Yeah, look, look, Chris Sarandon, Fright Night. Can Can I just say I don't I don't get the uh, Nightmare on uh, Before Christmas? Like I don't get that seems to be a huge thing, and I don't get it. Yeah, okay. It's fine. And the first one you're wrong um and actually two you're wrong so you're incorrect on chris fright night and you're incorrect on double for christmas yeah he's a total babe no i disagree i don't think he is oh you don't think chris randon's hot i don't know i feel like he's hot to people with dad issues Wow, uh, this me. this honestly sounds like I'm not wrong on all of these fronts. That sounds oh like God, I had a right in there. <laughs> Cassie, you get when's the last time you watched Fright Night from 1985? Oh fuck, I guess now I'm watching it today. Yeah, so seriously, yeah. like that's one of the one of the best. Okay. And I think you'll you might change your tune. 
maybe uh, as a mom, maybe I'm looking for like new dad energy. In oh, my fantasies. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Great movie. Fright Night. Uh, Children of the Corn was the last one you talked about, Boozy. Yep. Cool. Um, I'm going to name off one and then I'll pass it back to Cassie. But uh, last week I actually only covered I've been watching not even intentionally. I've been watching a lot of ghost movies and haunted house movies. Uh, so that's been great. But there's one movie that I watched that is neither of those things. And it's a movie from 2023. It is called Sanctuary. Have either of you heard of Sanctuary? I've heard of it. It is. I've not watched it, but I've seen a few people now. I've seen some of the discourse, right? Yeah, We're doing I, discourse, I guess, right? And I've I've only seen positive stuff. Uh, but which actually, after watching it, kind of surprised me because it does seem like a, it's a it's a potent little independent movie. But uh, basically, it's written by Micah Bloomberg and directed by Zachary Wigan. And the film follows a dominatrix and Hal, her wealthy client, and the disaster that ensues when Hal attempts to end their relationship. Um, so this is a single location thriller set entirely in one like very expensive expensive uh, bachelor suite, condo, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's like an erotic thriller has tinges of horror. That's why I'm mentioning it here. Um, but it's really just two incredible performances, one from Margaret Qualley, who, you know, from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, The Leftovers and the Netflix show Made, which I also really enjoyed. She's great in that. And the guy who plays Hal is Christopher Abbott, who's from Possessor, It Comes at Night, Black Bear, oh. another gorgeous man. That's uh, where he. Yeah. OK, yeah, yeah. Big, yeah. big Chris Abbott fan, man. Like that that's, guy is that's awesome. a hot that's a hot yeah, couple that, on screen oh, yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah. Margaret Qualley is gorgeous. But uh, but no, this movie, it's it's just like it's a really it's a really strong independent movie. And I think it's one of the must see indies this year for folks who are interested in keeping an eye on like these intermediate filmmakers who are cooking up really interesting things with a small budget and a small mm -hmm. cast. Granted, you know, he was very lucky to have people like Margaret Qualley and Christopher Abbott on board. Because uh, they really just make this the shining star of the film is the script. And my God, do those two make it sing like it is so, mm -hmm. so good. And so I it's like a tight hour and 35 hour and 40 minutes. And it was one of the few movies I've seen in a long time where I just I was genuinely guessing where it was going to be going. And I was on board for all of it. And there's a little bit there where I was like, I don't know, this might be just a little too much for me because it's making me pretty uncomfortable. And um that's it it's exactly what it's trying to do but um it what the other thing that's so impressive about it is like yes it's one location but my god the camera work like the camera mm. in this movie is so so cool and like the symbolism that they pack in with all of the visuals and a really small story with two characters uh it's it's one of the best movies i've seen this year i really really enjoyed it I love when like a little indie just pops into your brain like that and just blows all like big production stuff out of the water. The last time I felt like that was um, with The Watcher. Yes. And yep. that mm. movie just shifted the way I thought about filmmaking. Like it was so good, so good. And it was yep. one of those like this little unknown like India was getting a lot of play if you, you know, you have shutter in your algorithm. But like I wasn't seeing a lot of places. And then somewhere along the way, again, on, on the discourse right on twitter or wherever like people started talking about it and that movie blew up so i love when that happens yeah. for like deserving movies too absolutely that was one of the movies that boozy and i were like I, i'm no longer part of the committee but we programmed it for the dark uh -huh. bridges festival the year that the druids hand screened and it was like that was my favorite movie of the festival that year like i just loved mm. loved the watcher oh um, yeah but this yeah. is definitely in line with stuff like that and you know even 
uh, movies like the I'm not sure if you've seen The Vast of Night is another incredible indie movie that does mm-hmm. so much with so little. Uh, but I just thought it was really impressive and I'm really excited to see what Zach Wigan does next. And I'm just I always want to see both of those actors, Christopher Abbott and Margaret Qualley. So good. Oh, fantastic. Just put them in a room together for an hour and 45 minutes and Mitch is sold. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's turning was... into a very horny podcast. It's it's always a horny podcast. <laughs> Um, because we were talking about hot 80s dads it's true if we're gonna talk about hot 80s dads this is gonna go like i've got a list (laughs) we're not getting into it all right well speaking of lists though let's hear about something else you've seen recently cassie um well okay what else did i watch so i finally caught up to like as i said i was just kind of like watching whatever the streaming services were (laughs) selling to me but um i went out of my way to finally finally sit down and watch a couple like newer releases that i hadn't seen um so i watched uh just the other night actually finally watched crimes of the future uh cronenberg's latest one which was good fine i don't want the cronenberg fans to come after me it was fine it was not my favorite cronenberg but super interesting um uh not nearly as freaky as people promised it would be right like this is the thing is i've really been i have to stop listening to these conversations sometimes because people were really building it up and i got so excited to sit down and watch it and then just like you know nothing for me really at the end of the day interesting but that was fine um, it it and th- kind of felt like uh, a lot of scenes in that were um, feeding somebody porridge that had uh, teeth in it. Yeah, it was just and and it just <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't going anywhere. And I don't know. I I, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to disrespect Cronenberg. I have nothing but but no, love for, sure. for his I work was, and what he's done. But that was my most anticipated movie last year, and I felt the same way. Um, mm-hmm. It was very underwhelming for me. A lot of people liked it, but yeah. yeah, I think you can like it as like, oh, this is an interesting something that a director's done later in his career. Uh, but it just it just didn't do it for me. And then another I've got a three banger here, another one that I was really anticipating watching and was excited to watch and was quite disappointed by uh, was Infinity Pool. So I finally watched Infinity Pool mm-hmm. and I just don't know how you put that cast together and that idea and you just they just didn't go far enough with it, in my opinion. It just I I haven't seen it, so I, I can't comment on it. But I know, Mitch, you've seen that. Possessor was my favorite movie of 2020, I believe. And that was Brandon Cronenberg. So I was anxiously waiting for his next one. And so I went to Infinity Pool on opening night and I liked it, but I was definitely also underwhelmed. I thought there there yeah. was more places that it could have gone. But there are moments of it, moments of brilliance, I felt. Uh, but I and I love Mia Goth. But Ugh. she's so good at being just like torturous to watch that yes. it's prevented me from watching it again because she was just mm. great at doing that. But it's like it just wasn't an experience I'm rushing back for. No, I don't know if I would ever really go back and revisit it. Like it just really I was so excited to watch it. And of course, like big Alexander Skarsgård fan and big fan of Mia Goth. Um, again, put those two in a room like we're good. Yeah. Um, but it just the concept of it i wanted them to go further with it i feel like there was a lot more we could have had conversations about regarding like you know the duplicates and souls and and all these things so it just yeah that kind of bummed me out um so then i was happily happily surprised when really highly anticipated went in to go watch evil dead rise and that movie just kicked every ass (laughs) that it possibly could that movie 
was the script was tight. The timing was tight. There was no fat on that bone. Like it was perfectly executed, perfectly shot, harkened back to the fun and silliness of the original one, did some really cool, gross stuff and was just as, as, as near perfect. I just like, I had such, I had so much fun watching that movie. I think that's a like a, a great description for it would be like a crowd pleaser. I don't know too many people who who had it, you know that didn't like it or at least didn't have like a good experience with it because yeah it is in a in a very twisted way it is a lot of fun. It's so much fun. It, I think especially for like old school fans of like the original one like I I didn't mind the like what was it the 2013 mm-hmm. was yeah. that when it was came out it just that that one went really serious and Evil Dead is not serious. It's scary, oh, first... it's spooky, it's all these things, but it's but it's not truly a serious like no, dark I horror feel, film. I feel like the first the first one is, but like it's part of its like, you know, the budget restraints and all that that kind of add mm. to its charm where it kind of and then also when you, you know, we've been lucky enough to grow up with both Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 and um I do feel like Rise really towed the line quite perfectly doing yeah. a bit of both. Yes, uh, I agree. Yeah, I, I was a big fan. I think that Boozy and I, we both loved it. I think that's probably my favorite horror movie I've seen this year so far. So far, yeah. yeah. I would uh, I would go with that too. That's the one that just was anticipated. And that was it for me is like, I, I had all these anticipated movies and everyone's like, oh, Infinity Pool is going to like change the way you watch horror movies. And I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> not even no. close. But this one was just like almost me cheering, watching Evil Dead Rise. And I, I that was fun to, to watch yeah. that one. Yeah, it's the only one I've gone to the theater twice for this year, which is oh, there like, you go. I had had to go again because I was like just had so much fun with it when I saw it in Calgary, and then I wanted like more it. friends. I went with my buddy Adam in Calgary, which was great, but seeing it with like a packed crowd and everyone cheering, it was it was a blast. Oh, right. I love that. You should probably do that with Barbenheimer, but that's like I'm a doing full that day. Sunday. I know you are, <laughs> so like I think that'll be your second double, yeah. but it'll be the double double. So it'll be the first double double. It's true. Yeah, I love it. Yep, Barbie first, Oppenheimer last. See, I, I'll get to Oppenheimer when I get to it. But some pals and I are going to the drive-in uh, theaters. Kind of the only way you can go to a movie with a baby. Uh, so we're gonna go do the drive-in for Barbie. And yeah, like I've got an outfit nice. for Penny. We've got some like Barbie themed shirts. Like we're just going all out. It's just gonna be I, so awesome. silly. I, I love the the like how into it. I've seen quite a few people. Like there were people I had seen yesterday. They were like, "Vote on which outfit I'll wear to Barbie." It's yes, like, yeah. I don't know. It, and everybody's not really sure what it's gonna be. Every you know, right when Ryan Gosling comes out and says like, "This is one of the best scripts I've ever read," you're like okay all right yeah. like i'm here for this and right. then that that latest trailer came out with him singing i'm just ken and everybody seems to forget that like yes ryan gosling can sing he was in the mickey mouse club with britney spears like yep. well that's because like, he can literally do everything he, he's perfect. he can do he can do anything he wants let yeah, me just yeah. be very clear about that <laughs> but he is like every city he is but he is just ken right like like this is but he Mm -hmm. just i just honestly like everybody that movie like Issa ray and like margot robbie and like it's just so looks like it's so perfectly cast and it seems like it's going to be this thing that there will be something for everybody and when's the last time we saw like globally people get so excited about a movie there's something really like wholesome about that and the fact that it's barbie makes it like 10 times Mm. funnier (laughs) oh yeah yeah. yeah, no, God bless Greta Gerwig. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait for that. I cannot wait. Um, Boozy, have you watched done anything oh, yeah. else recently? Oh, yeah. We're going back in. Let me tell you, we're going back into Shudder. 
So I checked out 2023's Quicksand. Oh, uh, let me. This is directed by Andreas Beltran and written by Matt Pittis, and it stars Carolina Gayton and Ellen Hauko. Su- surprisingly, this is a fairly fun little film. I think if you're into these kind of what would it be like a, a situational? These these are kind of in that same vein of those very specific like animal attack films where it's these kind of survive a location film, much like yeah. Fall was. And yeah, this is this is a cool little film. It's it's sets up a couple different things that that uh, pay off throughout, and uh, it has its own animal in it, its own creature that they have to survive from. So that's always a bonus for me. And it's not and, the quicksand. No, there's a, there's another thing. It's I you know what for for what it is, it's pretty decent. Um, maybe a little bit long at close to an hour and a half for what it is, because like how much can you get out of people being in quicksand? But they do a fairly good job of it. So that's another one that's on uh, Shutter. That's uh from this year. God, I love awesome. running through Shutter every once in a while. You if you have like a, like an open like afternoon or evening, and you just start mm-hmm. like clicking through, and just sometimes you just watch a lot of trash, but like fun trash, and then you just mm-hmm. hit these like gorgeous little little gems in the mix. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Boozy, you want to hit us with another one? Yes, I'm. I've got always time to hit you guys with stuff. So the next one I checked out. This one is from Cassie, like you were saying about Shutter, where you can just have sit down and have a good time looking through stuff. From another app that does a very similar thing on Tubi. So I was huh. over. Uh, <laughs> I love getting lost on Tubi. You guys got the, me on to Tubi. Yeah. Like I've got Tubi on all my all my TVs, all my like yeah. on my phone, Hell the yeah. app but- everywhere now. <laughs> Like the cult of, of Tubi, but literally, like it's it's this gift that that keeps on giving, and it asks for nothing in return. It it doesn't even like if you don't want to sign into your thing, it's like, hey, you could, but fuck it, like let's watch some stuff. It it's so chill. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, going back to this, uh, so I was on Tubi and I checked out 2022's The Lake. It finally dropped somewhere for me to check it out, and of all places, it was on Tubi, which I'm a little oh bit. My- yes 2020 yeah i think this one's from this year it might have like hit yeah i think it hit the u.s you said the lake and you've been waiting for it and i was like the lake what which one is that and i'm like oh i watched that (laughs) the yeah the is it a korean it's like a korean monster kaiju film that it's yeah uh this is all over the place and mitch i can't remember if you liked it overall no not a not a huge fan not really, no. I like the creature design, but it got really old for me very fast. Yes. Um, this this takes some of the... This is another film that very much reminds me of... I think it was Troll I was talking about on Netflix like a little while ago. That reminds me of Godzilla from 98. But there are a lot of parts of this. That's a very specific reference I know, with I a know. very specific context. There are always <laughs> these awesome monster movies or something. And Boozy will be like, it's kind of like Godzilla 98. <laughs> Godzilla <laughs> 98 only, is like everything else. <laughs> the only thing we can talk about that's worth it from Godzilla 98 is the soundtrack. That's it. <laughs> soundtrack is a bop. Is the a soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, I will stand that movie forever. And you know mm-hmm. what? Matthew Broderick aside. Um anyway the lake oh, poor Matthew cool, Broderick cool monster design very much like Godzilla 98 um, re- literally this thing's just Godzilla it takes like various parts of the various designs of Godzilla throughout mm-hmm. cinema and is like this is a presentable lake monster 
it, yeah. and S- oh, and they do they take a lot of stuff from the host and expect us to not remember what yes. happened uh, in that brilliant movie yes god i love that one like that yeah, that sounds so like i would just skip the lake and just go watch host instead yeah that's what i would do yeah like, the host is is very much the better film there are weird parts in like the lake at, at certain points looks awesome because they do have some cool practical stuff in it but then at certain points it just looks a lot like uh oh man like early 2000s like stuff. primeval yeah like they fully like do like they render entire areas and it just looks it does not look great um did you notice the change of scale in the monster like that was one thing that was pulling me out because they had some brilliant shots of like clearly a practical person in a practical suit yeah they had like a full head built kind of like how like alligator yeah but then it would cut back to the cgi and i'm like whoa how did it just get five times the size um yeah, I I have no idea why why it did that, and I I think that that's probably an issue because of the practicals for it. But yeah, it it just overall I can't recommend it, and I really like kaiju movies, but this just came down to a lot of talking. Yeah, mm. and not interesting talking. No. That's, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was like, uh, Cassie, do you have some other stuff you want to chat about before we move on? No, I think I think we've caught up. I'm I've been scanning my brain to be like, like God, what else have I watched? And truly, so much of it is a blur. So I'm glad if I can come out of this with a screen rewatch and uh, an enjoyment of Evil Dead Rise and yeah. some trash talking of pretty much everything else. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I know because Boozy and I, we've been. I have a couple more I want to chat about, but I'll be quick about them. And uh, Boozy, if you have anything else, we'll we'll get through those and then we'll hop on to the main feature. Um, but ones that I didn't, I was going to chat about last week and I briefly talk about it near the end of the episode, but I want to give it a little bit more time is a ghost movie that I watched recently that I had seen the remake in 2005 when it came out. Um, but I guess I had never seen the original and that is dark water. Oh, the remake is the one with Jennifer Connelly, right? Yes. Okay. So I've also never seen the original. I didn't mind the the remake it's it's decent but i actually didn't know it was a remake yeah same thing and then when i soon as and like yeah and then of course as you watch it you're like this reminds me of like a japanese horror film and it's like oh well turns out (laughs) yeah and yeah it's right in that uh that j-pop era of taking stuff i was just gonna say i i thought i knew that the only reason i know about that movie is because i thought it was blackwater i got those two mixed up for a while yeah (laughs) Yeah. um well disney likes to just drop yeah disney does like random like horror movie drops and like when they were first building up like the like the catalog on Disney Plus, suddenly they were, it was like one of the only places you could find the Omen online, like randomly. Like, and so they added that one and just a bunch of other randoms, like kind of weird era horror movies to it. Yeah. Yeah. There's some good stuff to be, to be seen on Disney Plus for, for horror, surprisingly enough. But um, yeah. Yeah. So this one, though, the, the original, it's directed by Hideo Nakata and it is the, the story is a mother and her six year old daughter move into a creepy apartment whose every surface is permeated by water. Um, so this is just a oh. classic little ghost story. But um, in my opinion, this movie, it's like, it's not even, you know, it's become such a hot button subject where every horror movie is about grief. And it's like, yeah, grief has always been a big part of horror. And I don't think that mm-hmm. movies should be penalized when they do it well. Um, the, I mean, not everything needs to be hereditary, but if you have a good story, you have a good story. And if it's truly about grief, then it, it doesn't matter. It's just a good story. 
Well, uh, look at the theme that you're in right now of ghost stories yep. and haunted houses. Like it's, the the it's it's grief. Like these yep. are like hauntings, right? The like, best, all of the best ghost stories have a layer of grief to them. Um, and absolutely. that's just like kind of a, a mainstay. But yeah, this one it's not even really all about grief. It just has elements of it, like most great story ghost stories do. Uh, but this is just like an authentically heartbreaking ghost story, and it has some truly scary scenes scattered throughout throughout the film. And one of the most beautiful climaxes I can think of in recent years that I've, of stuff I've seen. I I absolutely loved this movie. I loved it so much that I decided to go and watch the remake like right afterwards because I was like, you know, that that was just great. So I want to see more of it. And, Man, that's um, when you know you really liked something when you when you search out either its sequels like instantly yeah. or yeah the remake or yeah 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 it's. It's so good, uh, but like, you know, a lot of these 2000s J-horror movies, they do suffer from like some kind of disruptive VFX, but I just feel like the visual effects uh, kind of worked. Like the even some of the shoddy stuff in this one, it worked with like the melodramatic score and um, everything just kind of cooperates with this movie and it just really works for me. There's like some really brilliant homages to Kubrick's The Shining and um, which, yes, I also do believe The Shining's a ghost story as well. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, there's for some reason some debate about that, and I I don't understand that. Who? Well, I'll fight him. The internet, yeah. It's uh... <laughs> the discourse. People are doing discourse, and you're going to search them all individually. <laughs> yeah, but no, this this movie was great, and um, yeah. So then I'll quickly tack on that. I did watch the remake right after, which was probably a huge disservice to the remake because it is essentially a shot for shot remake, but with less of the uh, the heart, I guess, mm -hmm. behind it. Um, yeah. like most even with um, Jennifer Connelly who's a who's amazing. beautiful actress yeah yeah she's yeah one of my one of my early crushes and of course is still a crush on her but um like most American remakes of J-horror aside from The Ring which I think is like nearly a perfect movie that I actually like more than the original oh. um but uh they 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 say the quiet bits out loud that's mm. like the thing that I notice about the American remake is that it's there's so many subtleties in the 2002 version and the original that like works so well because they trust the audience. And I feel like the remake really didn't do that. Um, Jennifer Connelly, who I really like, it just felt like she didn't want to be there. Like it, it no. really felt like she didn't want to do this. Like movie. it was a contractual obligation. Yeah. It was yeah. just like but... a paycheck. <laughs> it really was, which is that's fine too. You know, like sometimes yeah, yeah, get that bag. There's a reason why, you know, they remake these movies like the remake came out three years after the original. And like the yeah. only explanation to that is that, you know, North American audiences aren't uh, aren't down to read subtitles, which sucks. But it is a it's a fact. It's it's true. But it's I think you hit something, too, with the whole like they said, the quiet parts out loud. Like there is this thing that you see a lot in in a lot of American North American kind of Eurocentric, let's say, like TV and movies, which is this, uh, you know, tell don't show when it's supposed mm -hmm. to be show don't tell. Right. And people just don't always like tune in for the subtleties. And I think it's something that a lot of like Japanese horror and Korean horror and a lot of other like folks do really quite well. And a lot of these American remakes come in and they're just like, no, we've got to really provide a lot of exposition to make sure yeah. people understand the intricacies of this. It's like, just show them, they'll get it. Yeah. But, yeah. No, it's, it's frustrating. And like another thing that was frustrating about the remake is like the supporting cast, which is amazing, but they're not given anything to do. And it's really distracting no. because the supporting cast is John C. Riley and Tim Roth. And it just really feels like they were left behind 
in the script and they were just kind of put there to to patch up some loose ends and it just it didn't work um it's I just it's sorry, really I, not a bad movie uh i think the original is just so so great can i just say that i love a serious john c Riley? he He's does not serious some... in this though which sucks no oh okay because yeah. i was gonna say like when he does serious roles he is really good and i, yep. I think that he should do more yeah, I think that's no, true he's... of a lot of comedians. Like I'm thinking, like Adam Sandler and like Will Ferrell. Like f- those are folks who have mm-hmm. done like serious roles, and yeah. it's it's mind blowing because these are people who understand timing and timing, right? Of an impact of of how you say something and how you move. It's like it's really important in comedy, but it's really important in other places. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. always nice when those folks get get a chance to shine. Yeah, totally agree. I just, this just wasn't the the place. I guess it just it didn't all come <laughs> together for me. Um, still not terrible, but uh, I definitely recommend. I highly recommend the 2002 original. It's it's great. It's become one of my favorite ghost movies now. Um, so yeah, that's the Dark Water. Boozy, do you have anything else you want to t- touch on? Yes, I have one more that I want to mention before we uh, tap out, and this one is on Netflix. This is brand new, 2023 from Australia. So uh, all our friends from Australia definitely helped with this. Uh, anyway, this is uh, Run Rabbit Run, directed by Dana Reed and written by Hannah Kent. Oh, with so. my girl, Sarah Snook. <laughs> yeah, what a sweet last name. The Snooker. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen this one yet. Uh, how was it, Boozy? Oh, man, I I really liked this one. I, I think I needed to sit on it for a moment because I didn't know how I felt when it ended initially. There was just certain parts where it felt like it it dragged for me and I, I was trying to, I guess, come to terms with whether that was, you know, intention of the story that it was delivering or if it was just padding things out. And I just I really feel like this is a, a really creepy film that delivers on a couple different fronts and gives you a little bit of that. Uh, how do I how would I even put it like that hereditary vibe in a way where you're you're feeling kind of like a darker level um, with a family drama. I I really think there's some good stuff in here and some awesome imagery and just some really scary scenes with a nursing home. I think that, yeah, I, th- I definitely think you guys should check this out. I haven't seen it, but I've seen a lot of people uh, kind of compare it to the Babadook for a similar vibe. I don't know if that's just because they're comparing to Australian horror movies, but I, what do you uh, think? I think it's more or less because you could also in a loosely way say in a similar vein as like um, Goodnight Mommy, where it's this Mm -hmm. dynamic of a child versus their parent and just the dynamic of how that changes. The the story for this gets really deep over time with what it starts with and what it becomes. Just, you know what, even me just talking about it, like I like it more. I know that it doesn't have terrific ratings, but yeah, I think there this is a really cool film that people should check out. Right on. Sweet. Awesome. So that's Run Rabbit Run from this yeah. year on Netflix. Yep. Okay, well, yeah, we covered a lot there. Uh, How do y'all feel about taking a little bit of a quick break here and then jumping right into the main feature where we're going to be talking about House on Haunted Hill? Let's do it. See you on the other side. I'm Vincent Price, and you're invited to my party in the House on Haunted Hill, where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. So won't you come and make it eight? You'll see human heads without bodies. Ah! Mysterious pools of blood dripping from the ceiling. 
The walls move slowly in against you. Don't try to escape, you can't. The ghosts are waiting, so won't you join me in the house on Haunted Hill? Hooray. Or you'll be late for your own funeral. And welcome to our main feature presentation, where we are going to be doing a double feature of House on Haunted Hill from 1959 and the remake, which was released in 1999. So kicking off with the original, uh, the film was directed by William Castle, written by Rob White. And the synopsis is a millionaire offers $10,000 to five people who agree to be locked in a large, spooky rented house overnight with him and his wife. Uh, and the film stars Vincent Price, Carol Omar, Richard Wong, Alan Marshall, Carolyn Craig, most of which are dead now, which is a observation from Boozy. Every time we every time we watch an old movie, <laughs> people are dead. R.I.P. to the entire cast. <laughs> um, but like I said, uh, yeah, the film was directed by William Castle, who kind of became known for his gimmicks that he would coordinate with his films. And like it started off with his film Macabre, which uh, he would offer a $1,000 life insurance policy to all the people who would go in case they were to die of fright. And then when oh, he did the tingler, he would have vibrating seats that would vibrate when Vincent Price was nearby. Uh, so you'd know when the tingler was near. And the 13... story That story was actually referenced on a recent episode of Riverdale, by the way, about the tingler. I did not know that. <laughs> I've outed myself as what? a loyal watcher of Riverdale. <laughs> there you go. What a it's, strange place to to throw that reference. Oh, I've heard I've heard crazy things because that's uh that that show kept a lot of people employed for a long time around here. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, with thirteen ghosts, he also did which uh, Dark Castle also remade that one. Uh, but with thirteen ghosts, he offered three D glasses that you'd have to be wearing in order to see the ghosts. Uh, but then once we got to House on Haunted Hill, he introduced a Merjo which was a, a skeleton would rise from a box on the stage and fly across the theater. Oh, so my it. God, would I have loved to see any of these things? Um, it would have been incredible, but let's, they just uh, let's... don't do it like they used to. No. They don't. I was even or... reading about some of the old marketing that they did for the ring remake where they would like leave VHS tapes on people's cars and shit. And it's yep. like, God bless. Like we just I don't know. do that anymore. Could you, oh man. Could you imagine right? owning one of those or just having <sighs> it and being like, Oh, this is worth something. <sighs> yeah. Incredible. I think one of the, the last like great ones was definitely Cloverfield. Like that one mm -hmm. had some pretty amazing viral marketing, Blair Witch project. The list goes on, but uh, it's no secret that William Castle is kind of like the the pioneer of adding this little extra layer of entertainment to to the horror genre. He and, the uh, judge. Very interesting. But uh, this is a movie I've seen this movie multiple times. I've definitely I don't know if I've seen the original or the remake more. I know I've watched the original a lot in my adult years, but I grew up with that remake. So I oh. just I don't know what happened, but I watched that movie a lot as a child. But let's lead off with this one. So Cassie. You did suggest this double and I got crazy excited about it because like I've been wanting to do this double for a long time on the show. So I'm happy we can do it now. What is your history with House on Haunted Hill? I encountered this book um, or excuse me, this movie when I was in uh, my undergrad and I took a horror fiction class and it kind of got me on a path of like watching a lot of old 
old movies and old horror movies. And of course, as I went on to do my master's and I wrote about zombie movies, like I kind of kept on that, you know, watching things like white zombie and all that kind of stuff. So um, that was, this movie was kind of thrown in with like a whole pile of uh, old movies that I I took in a lot in my kind of undergrad years. I have a very specific memory of watching this movie with like some friends at a house when I was like first, second year university and I fell asleep during it. <laughs> and I woke up at the end when like his wife, you know, the, the all is revealed. She comes back yes. and I very loudly from the back of the room where I've been sleeping said, Hey, I thought she was dead. <laughs> like the whole room just turned and looked at him. I was like, Oh yeah, no, I was asleep. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. shut up now. <laughs> so I had to go back and rewatch it. Um, I don't know. I just this movie just kind of has a, a nice little cozy spot in my heart. It's just uh it's kind of silly, but you know, you look at the the vibe that Vincent Price has with um mm. and who's the actress who plays his wife, who plays Annabelle. Um uh, Carol Omhart. Yeah, also a huge babe. And yeah. like oh my it's god, what a spitfire in this. Oh, I love it. And it's just it, it's just one of those movies that just it's it's a it's really tight. What is it like 68 minutes? It's super short. Yeah. And it's just a it's a perfect way of kind of balancing the ghost story with this kind of like the evil that men do and women, I suppose, that kind of thing. So in a that kind of whodunit. It's just it's just one of these like fun old ones that I absolutely adore. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And uh, yeah, Boozy, what about you? We we haven't talked about this, but I know like because, you know, I talk a lot about like old classic movies that like that's kind of my comfort food. It's become my comfort watch uh, mm-hmm. as I get older here, especially lately. And a big part of that, once again, shouting out last week's guest, uh, Daniel Epler's his podcast Cobwebs really introduced me to a lot of like old classic horror movies. Um, Of course, I had the ones that I grew up with, like The Haunting and uh, th- this would be one of them as well. Like this is one that I would see on Turner Classic Movies, or it would be, uh, what was the network that we had that would always do the Halloween? It wasn't Scream Network. Uh, do you remember? Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was Channel 38 or 39. This is so long ago. Either way, they're just. You know, there's somebody out there who's like, 38 was fucking this fucking channel. <laughs> yeah, they're screaming. I'm like, Superstation? No, it wasn't Superstation. No, like, that was, was 33. It? And show, okay. show, uh, Showcase was 25. Teletoon oh, was, was 22. Was oh my God. Intimately yeah. familiar Teletoon with was 22. And yeah. 31 no, was Y. No. Tw- 22 and 31 was Teletoon. YTV? Yeah. 22 yeah. was, was YTV. Yeah. And 24 was, was the Jerry Springer one. Which one? YTV was 14. For us, it was, it was 22. 22. Okay, well, I 22. grew up in a small town. Fair. <laughs> you, you had the Farmer Vision version. No, I was... <laughs> I, uh, you know, Abusi, we, we haven't... We've talked a lot about some old yeah. classics, but uh, but this was this a first-time watch for you? Yeah, so I, I just want to kind of broach this because we're going to be talking about both, but I will consider the, the remake to be... I, I've thought in my brain long and hard about the best way to describe it and i'm gonna call it part of a playlist for myself that was divorced parent playlist where it was it was films that were just on because your parents were not like paying attention and it would be whatever they had rented so you're just watching it because no one's really watching you so i have so many (laughs) memories of this fucking like this the remake yeah. But what I'm what I'm getting overall is that in my formative years, that's kind of what I spent. And I think later on, especially now, my bread and butter is more 80s and 90s stuff. But I am trying to watch a lot of this older film, a lot of these older films, because it is such a, a blind spot for me. So this is a first time watch. And I have seen some Vincent Price films and he is so charismatic. And that's what I love about this. But yeah, first time watch. This is on Tubi. There's 
several different versions on Tubi to watch. I chose to watch the one that was in color for the first time. Maybe ooh, that's sacrilegious never, and that I should have. I've never seen in color. I, and, and maybe that is sacrilegious that the first time I, I watched, so. but I was like, oh, the first time in color, like this is this is an exciting thing. It's not, you know, it's a special. negative. Yeah, yeah. But the, the weird part is, is that like n- not the weird. Part. So there's like a, a Spanish version, which, yes, there's a ton of shit on TV that's Spanish. But there's also a, a version of it that I think is a podcast reviewing it live or something. If you, if you look it up, there's like another version where it, it's like House on Haunted Hill commentary by blah 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 and it's like is this like why is this on here um <clears throat> so my first time viewing overall i love this so much i so much charm front to front to back mm-hmm. and how often anymore and like, i guess bringing up the point you've made mitch it is that it's like it was an experience and how often do you have an experience anymore where literally you have every once in a while uh vincent price slips in and out of just talking to you then he goes back Best. in and yeah, and it, like never addresses it. This is like, hey, viewer, like this is the last act. Shit's about to get wild. And then just goes back to talking to his wife like, I fucking hate you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's and- this like weird fourth wall break. And you're like, why does he? You're like, oh, he's really taking us on this journey. Like he's you're totally good with it. He's doing the, the Deadpool thing. <laughs> The, yeah. I think the the best example for me, or the one that stuck out the best, is it like making the reference about like him and his wife. Is he's having this full blown? They're talking about like, well, you know, you'd love it if I died so you could have my money, and then just stops, talks to the screen, and then talks back to her and walks out of the room. It's like that was the most badass like acting, and just it's what they so call not- Riz nonchalant. Uh-huh. Yeah, the the original Rizzler overall. <laughs> And yeah, some I think of that the might be practical... the opposite of Riz. I'm I'm old <laughs> so, now, so some of the practical I'm not, I'm not effects were were so so funny for this. Like I, not funny in, a, in like a haha way, but I was like, oh, you know what? For the time, this is great. I loved when they they threw the rat in and the bones came up, and then you yes. know later you had the skeleton, like stuff like that. And then revealed um, how the skeleton was like it, it was a practical effect the, for the like mm-hmm. I loved yeah, that. Yeah, this wild contrast. It was kind of like it reminds me of those bikes where you're like really high up in the air, but you're also pedaling with your hands too. Oh, yeah. like some those. sort of like goofy contraption. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I um at the start, Vincent Price, I think like three or four times mentions about how his wife is amusing. And it's like, okay, we get it. You don't like your wife. Just <laughs> say it. They and really like, hate and, each other. And normally you would be like, this is such a misogynistic piece of shit. But then it's kind of like she's trying to pull one on mm-hmm. him and he's trying to pull one on her. You get this really like who done it vibe. Like you said, she's the yeah. spitfire and you go with it. And then of course, unfortunately, like she meets her ultimate demise, which you're you know bums you out watching it but yeah yeah. it's uh she kind of like she can go toe-to-toe with vincent price which is like you didn't see a lot of people do that and certainly not a lot of women who were given the opportunity i think to have a script like that that they could do that right and so she wasn't like she wasn't nora who was like just screaming the whole time (laughs) they really typecast nora (laughs) she's always screaming she's constantly screaming in this movie yeah. She was great, but I I liked with like Annabelle's character, right? Where she like when he was talking about like how you know oh my other two wives and she was just like wasn't phased by him at all and just gave it back to him. And I thought, oh, this is something you actually didn't see as often or in this way. So yeah, yeah. that's one thing I picked up. Yeah, because all her answers are very sharp and to the point. They know each other to a fault, you would say, mm-hmm. um, because they know each other's like all their weaknesses and how to respond to cut each other. You know the the fast 
fastest way possible. You know, like any good couple does. Yeah, um, you learn each other's yeah, that... weaknesses, and you just dig and dig and dig and dig <laughs> Turn and dig that knife until there's nothing left. <laughs> but yeah, you're you're totally right. I love that that she is not submissive in any way and gives it back to him all the time. And you know, I I overall that I don't think this like uh, you'd mentioned maybe the stories about like the the men versus women, which is true, but it's also like overall it's the, the over encompassing like the greed of it, which I love too. Is that like everyone's willing to turn on anyone? for that yeah. you know what I mean to get the money and they're all, all willing to be everyone, uncomfortable I, I think, to get the money right they're all willing to put themselves in yeah at risk for the money yeah how many how many movies have you seen not even horror movies how many you can't this is a uh what's it called rhetorical question is that there's so many that have been built off one of the like this is one of the original templates for that putting everyone in a room and watching them turn on each other and showing how mm-hmm. horrible humanity is like we've yeah. seen that with even last year with uh glass onion and stuff like that like and this obviously all stems back from agatha christie and like stories like that where yeah, they the who done it yeah and it's it's great because you really don't know who done it in this movie because like i really love this movie but it would be like maybe my number 10 if not past that in the vincent price catalog like i love i love vincent price and i really like this movie but it makes no fucking sense like there's so many like <laughs> holes in this movie and that's part of its charm, though, is that like it never really knows what it's trying to do. Is this a ghost movie? Like it's it's not because they break their own rules constantly. Well, and... this is the movie. I think it suggests that the ghost is the house itself. Like that's the other thing, right? Is that the house yeah. is haunted, mm-hmm. but it's like haunted with what? Is it haunted with these old ghosts that like you never actually see, but it's the influence of being in the space that which you see a lot more you know, specific discussion of in uh, the remake, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's that's kind of what this is a ghost story, but not really. You're right. Like it's it's haunted by Vincent Price. Like it's because yeah. he's the he's literally <laughs> the one pulling the strings. He's the marionette. Like he's working the marionette. But then there's moments where it's like, okay, there's no way he could have done this. Like the the scene where you see like the rope kind of come into the room and it has a mind of its own and it wraps around her. It's like, wait a second, though. You, the reveal of the movie is that this was all Vincent Price. How, how yeah, was he, he doing this? Mitch, oh, no, I feel like a... it was a little. It was a little ambiguous. Like it was the yeah. house helped out here and there. Yeah, no, he had one of those the snakes to unclog a drain, and he hey, just he's <laughs> talking my language here. Yeah, Vincent see, Price. Would... Vincent Price does not unclog his own toilets. No. No, There's but he's no like way. a real MacGyver. They're like, you need to to get this rope over here. He's like, what do I have in my room? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I yeah, I I kind of I kind of like the idea that the the house is is helping him out at various points because yeah, he's got he's got so much to do. And you're right, the story is like it's so convoluted and strange because it very much every point that happens, it feels like there's a point after where someone's like. Haha, actually. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's always Would like you... that the one upping of itself. Yeah. It's it's the psychiatrist scene at the end of Psycho, where it's like yeah. this dude has to come in and like do a little we were talking earlier about exposition, yeah. and it's like something mm-hmm. that you saw a lot in old movies too, where it's yeah. like, you know what, we're gonna have this extra scene of ex- of exposition that's always by like this know-it-all, like yeah. mediocre white dude. The audience isn't going to be smart enough to pick up on it. So they got to blatantly tell you and like the psycho is one of the greatest examples of that. But I love that you brought that up too, because um, like this is the movie that inspired Alfred Hitchcock to make Psycho because mm-hmm. the, the movie did so well and he saw that he can make a low budget horror movie and then he made one of the greatest movies ever made. 
Um, yeah. It's just, it's crazy. Like the, the influence that this movie has had and William Castle as a whole is just, it's amazing. I can recall so many films that do this exact same thing. And it's like, it's all cored around these ideas and like the books. It's like, oh, we're, we're such primitive beings in the ideas that we love too, because the whole time I'm watching this. Yeah. It's like, oh, I've seen the, the Simpsons version of this even, yeah. but it's just like, you love these, like <laughs> yes. spoon feed me this. I love it. That's like the classic nineties kid isms is like so many of these movies. Like I saw the Simpsons Treehouse of horror before I saw the shining. So it's like, yes, the amount of times I saw movies, the shinning, the The amount of times that we all and I know like this is not just me. It's like so many people is like you see a movie and you're like, oh, I never knew where that came from. But I loved it in The Simpsons. Oh, dude, their their version of The Fly I saw before I saw The Fly and it terrified me. Another fantastic. That's one. (laughs) That's one of my favorite Vincent Price movies like that original. The Fly is so (laughs) help me. It's terrifying. Oh but my like God, that but... one still works as like I still find the fly scary. Like there's moments yeah. in yeah. the original The Fly that I find very disturbing. Whereas House on Haunted Hill, it's just fun. Like it's really, it's, it's, it's a Halloween. Yeah, it's a Halloween staple for me. Like this is like right up there with The Haunting, where I'm like I feel like I need to watch it every October. Yeah, yeah it's meaningful. And and actually, I think they it's interesting some of the shots that they use from this one that they do in the remake, like with the hearses coming around the winding yep. of the mm. road and like, you know, That's and just there's so much like that. I didn't, I really wouldn't have been paying attention to the first time I saw this one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting how they not just like how this is inspired. So many you see so many other shots in other movies, but just in the remake, they really tried to honor this mm-hmm. one. Right. Well, I yeah. know like a, a big one that I, I noticed personally watching these that that maybe a keener eye picked up quicker on is is how much uh, Vincent Price's mustache influenced uh, the remake. Oh, yeah. my God. That Are we just the, talking about the remake? Now? I, I know. <laughs> I, like, it sucks because like, it, you know, um, I don't know what the kid. I don't know if the, when you say no cap, does that mean no? What was I mean? Boozy? It's you're not lying. OK, no cap. Uh, I think the original House on Haunted Hill is the better of the two movies, but oh, yeah. but I'm pretty excited <laughs> to talk about the remake because I saw it through some different eyes recently. Oh God! I'm... Can I just say how did they get Jeffrey Rush to agree oh. to this movie? Was this pre or post Oscar win for him? I meant to look that up and I forgot. I'm gonna. I think right now. I think this is uh, pre. Because what, what did he win? What, did he win for the King speech? Because that was way after this. The... No, he's, I think, hold on. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm looking it up. I'm looking I'm sorry. It up. I'm like, I'm muting myself because I'm just over here giggling. Because, yeah, the whole <laughs> thing is like, can we acknowledge which is the good one, but which is the funnier one? There's, I, like, I was meaning to look this up before, too. Is No, um... he won. He won for Shine in 1996. For best actor oh and he the... and he won triple the where he won for um what is it for like an emmy a tony uh academy award yeah he and, did all uh, of it he did the gauntlet yeah yeah, yeah. he did the like gauntlet Jeff, yeah jeffrey rush incredible yeah. actually let's okay quickly let's have closing thoughts on the original and then we can <laughs> okay. get on to the madness because obviously the the real discussion is going to be on that remake um, listen the, <laughs> i gotta say i i'm with you mitch i love this movie it has a nice little cozy spot in my heart like i said it's not my favorite vincent price movie but it's a hoot it's it's one of those ones mm-hmm. that i just think if if people are listening and are not 
really they're not really into watching old movies this is like i said it's 68 minutes i think is the runtime it's super tight it's just throw it on throw it on when you're getting ready for halloween and like i think it'll it'll pull you into some other fun old movies it's a nice gateway drug so to speak if you haven't watched a lot of older ones i think yeah this makes me sound really simpy here but like when i watch house on haunted hell like they were 1959 it is one of the movies that makes me smell the inside of a pumpkin like yes. it's it's yeah. such no cozy i love that viewing i love oh, it that's so I, sweet i agree i I think that like just watching the first time is going like yeah this would be great to watch around halloween it fits yeah. perfectly and down to like yeah like vincent price's voice is even synonymous with halloween so it's just yes. it's nice to have that on i think this would be yeah like a great we always talk about those films that are be great for parties this would be this a is, great one or it's an you know, party movie yeah exactly like something yes. like this or i would love to do like you know at the theater do a movie night with this because i think that's something that people could have a lot of fun with you know like oh uh, my god if you guys do that and i'm not there at the broadway theater and you hook up emerjo oh my god <laughs> oh, that would be so amazing like dude it, like that seems like something that would be perfect for drunken cinema oh yeah yes yes yeah, yeah. i love totally. it um and the one thing i i know that i always get get uh in trouble for for pointing out plot holes in terms of like stupid real things but i just have to point out because it made me giggle is first off when they pull out the guns nobody gives a fuck it's it's like they've been around guns their entire lives <laughs> nobody bats an eye at these and the They're second Americans thing boozy. yeah and the second one yeah They're born <laughs> with guns in their hands goddamn was your first amendment right here not in my small town <laughs> yeah not my small oh boy town. oh boy <laughs> we won't we're not that. doing we're not no, doing the aldi doing discourse fuck that guy um, okay. but what i wanted to say with that is uh vincent price pointing a gun right in front of his, uh, is it nora his wife right yeah. yeah pointing a gun right in front of her face shooting um uh, like a glass over in a corner and her not flinching we're talking about her being a badass not deaf at all not worried about nothing you know no ringing she's just like yeah he shot a gun right in front of me right on yeah anyway overall super yeah super fun movie and i yeah i definitely want to watch this again like for halloween this will get me right in the mood i love that boozy if you love this and if you liked uh like vincent price in this that Mm -hmm. opens up some huge doors for what we could do on the show because like there's a like i said i really like this movie but it's I'm not opposed probably, to it. You make it sound like I'm opposed no, to these. No, I, I don't. I don't think you're. I never said that you're opposed to it. But I think it's one of those things that if you genuinely enjoy, because it's not yeah. for everyone. But if you oh, genuinely yeah, totally... enjoy it, we could do like Mask of the Red Death and Witchfinder General and uh, all yeah. these great Vincent Price movies that like because I I love that man. Um, but yeah, this this movie's a blast. Why don't you marry so him? Much fun. I wish. <laughs> I'd marry his a skeleton. baby with him then. His emergo skeleton. <laughs> um, all right, Cassie, any final closing thoughts? I think you already did, but uh, I think I did. But yeah, okay. just I, I agree. I think Vincent Price is one of those like, uh, he's it, a comfort just, food. He's a comfort food. And he's like, yeah, he is Halloween to me. And yeah. now I'm just like, oh, God. I don't want to read any bad problematic stories about him because it's no, going to break I, my heart. I honestly don't think like uh, I it's been pointed out that it was an issue for me for a while that I did pay too much too close of attention to all the horrible things that people do, um, which I've pulled I've taken back on because I am tired of living in a world where everyone sucks, even though everyone does suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Vincent Price is a tough one to find any 
any real bad stuff. Uh, yeah, it's like, you know, I, I had this back in my head. I was like, when all the stuff, those stories really started coming out um, around Hitchcock. And yeah, all I, you know, that's a tough one. But it's also like, I, I truly, I, I don't think you can, this is probably a whole other conversation, but maybe for another episode. But I don't think that you really can separate art from the artist fully. Um, but that being said, like for me, that was me just like, yeah, fuck Hitchcock. Oh God, please don't let there be any bad stories about Vincent Price. I was like yeah. my one, two reaction and I haven't seen any. So if somebody, uh, somebody knows one, I mean, let me know. I'd rather know. No. But for now I'm going to live in the world where he was like, he was like a, a cool dude. He was a gentleman. I think, I think and... we're going to start pointing out bad things that people have done <laughs> in the 1950s. We're going to have a That's major fair. issue in the eighties and the nineties. Yeah. Was he just like your standard misogynist or was he like, I, I yeah. don't I don't see a single bone of misogyny in that man but I also that's an assumption from a fan but uh mm-hmm. but You're yeah. giving him a big old benefit of the doubt I'm, yeah it's for like, now in this moment where, yeah. where we're on this podcast I'm like I've got him in my happy face and let's move on to what everyone came here for because uh, oh there is like sort of I guess I didn't even really know this that there's a uh, a resurgence Per House on Hill from 1999. This Halloween, six strangers have been invited to a party. If they can stay up till dawn, they'll win $1 million each. The only catch is that they'll have to live through the night. Let the games begin. No. It's been mentioned multiple times throughout this episode, uh, like that you can date certain moment important moments of your life with movies booze even mentioned divorce my parents got divorced in 1999 we've done 260 episodes and i non-stop talk about my parents divorce this 258 of them movie. parents divorce is this, this cool. it's, it's is a not a big issue movie. didn't affect you at all no, clearly i'm completely <laughs> over it 33 years old i'm completely over it um <laughs> but yeah this one it follows the same uh plot but it is updated and edgy and cool and directed by William Malone, who he directed the movie in 1980 called Scared to Death. Uh, he also did a few episodes of Freddy's Nightmares, Tales from the Crypt and Fear.com, which was three oh, years after this. Fear.com. This oh, dark... I forgot about Fear.com. Yes. And this movie well, was forget produced... no more. <laughs> it was produced by Robert Zemeckis and Joel Silver under the banner of Dark Castle Entertainment, which uh, this movie actually kicked off that that production company in 1999. And we've talked about recently Ghost Ship was a movie that they did. They went on to make 13 Ghosts, which is also a remake of a William Castle movie. I believe originally the plan was that this production company was just going to remake William Castle movies. Uh, but then after 13 Ghosts, they made Ghost Ship, not a William Castle movie. They made Gothica with Halle Berry. We all remember that. House of Wax, masterpiece. And uh, most recently, Orphan First Kill. So the company's still kicking. Right. That, yeah, they had like a kind of a dormant period. And then they're yeah. just like, yeah, we're doing Orphan now. Yeah. Absolutely. Taken Did a they turn. do Darkness Falls or no? I don't think so. But that's such a Dark Castle it, movie, it, though. Yeah, that, it like, feels like it. It's that I'm time just reminded. Period. I'm just reminded that like I haven't seen Gothica, I think, since it came out. And now I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. I will say though that my fear after I like texted you, like, let's do like these two movies, and you were super stoked. Like I like put the phone down. I thought, oh no, Mitch is gonna talk about 13 ghosts. This is gonna turn into a 13 ghosts apologist episode, and I will mm-hmm. have none of it. 
Oh, wait, do you think I'm a 13 ghost fan? <laughs> yes, I do, because you always talk about it. I love that you're uh, instantly drawing the line. I'm not fucking dealing with it. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, this this is going to be an episode. Um, oh, God. So la- last thing I'll say before we, well, actually, no, this is, what am I talking about? I'm going to get the logistics it. out of the way, and then we're going to just fully dive in. But the just movie was, in. all the makeup effects were done by K&B, which is Howard Berger, Greg Nicotero, Robert Kurtzman. Uh, this is the company that's done movies like Evil Dead Hell 2, yeah. most of Tarantino's films, Misery, and uh, most recently, like, The Walking Dead. I know Greg Nicotero has made like a career He's been doing it forever, but uh, became like a director, one of the showrunners for The Walking Dead. Um, but yeah, and you can even see Greg Nicotero in this movie. He's mm-hmm. loading one of the dummies on the Hulk coaster in Florida. So like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen this movie since before I went to Florida for Halloween Horror Nights and had that great trip with Diego and some friends. But I love that Hulk coaster so much. So watching it again, I'm like, oh my God, I've been there. And you see Greg Nicotero <laughs> putting putting yeah. the dummy on the coaster and the, um, the effects that you see in this movie i will say other than like the oh, cgi yeah. ghost at the end like i think the actual like gore heavy effects, quotations heavy quotations the cgi like the the actual gore practical effects stuff is mm-hmm. is excellent and i think you see that influence there yeah no absolutely i think there's there's a lot to say about this movie last before we get into it the cast jeffrey rush we already talked about this Oscar-winning Jeffrey Rush, uh, Jeffrey Combs, Herbert West from Reanimator, from Beyond, like all these classic horror movies. Um, James Marsters, who's Spike from Buffy, which is a big thing for a lot of people. Lisa Loeb. Lisa Loeb. Lisa Loeb. Oh, my God. Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan. I lost my... It it took two seconds. I was like, who's that delightful person? Because you know what it's like? It's somebody you remember, and you're like, oh... Yeah, He's Chris Kattan off. playing it straight, like, like, yeah. oh my god! It's like it's so seeing something. an old friend. You're like Chris Kattan. Something you never want to see is Chris Kattan no. playing it straight. Um, but this <laughs> that's, is yeah, that's not right what off, I meant. But okay, <laughs> right off the right off the coattails of Night at the Roxbury, and then you got Tay Diggs, uh, Bridget Wilson, Sampras, who was um, that Veronica Vaughn from Billy Madison. Uh, that was a big that was a big movie for me as a child. Billy Madison. Yeah, uh, I'm not oh, up okay. on my Billy Madison quotes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lisa Loeb, Allie Larder, um, Famke Allie Jensen. Larder. Yeah, Allie These are Larder, like... who was a sc- who had the makings of a scream queen and then yep. never got there. Hey, mm-hmm. yeah. Final Destination. I think the last thing I remember her from was uh, Obsessed with uh, Yes, yeah, uh, Idris Elba. It's a erotic thriller. Um, yeah, but Famke I Jensen. forgot about that movie. Holy shit! You're what a welcome. Weird Beyonce yeah. is also in that movie. Yep, okay. she is. Uh, but Famke Jensen, this was before she was cast as Jean Grey in the X-Men movies, and she had just done Deep Rising and The Faculty. And the last thing, the Marilyn Manson song, Sweet Dreams, that had, Will. That had a ch- the chokehold that that song had on <sighs> all of us in our youth. Like, I just, this movie came out, what, 99? Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking of, like, how many times, like, being in my room listening to that song and being like i'm so edgy and then now yep. here i am you know 20 years later being like oh Marilyn manson's a piece of shit like there it yeah. is but that song you know chokehold that it had on like, that culture humble moment. brag humble brag always hated Marilyn manson okay well <laughs> but but okay. defends hitchcock yeah masterpiece <laughs> boozy what's up 
I, I was gonna say they're like you know how they talk about when when something happens and you go like into like a goblin mode or whatever you go into your like evil mode that that was like a lot of of young adults when they heard that song there's like I'm fucking edgy. As soon as they heard the, you know, the start of Sweet Dreams, just instant like, oh, fucking edgy. Mm-hmm. And it's not uh, even that good of a I, remake yeah, of a song. It was making fun of that. No, it's it's not. No, None of it's, Marilyn Manson's like uh, cover songs are good. No, it's all he did was slow it down, right, and then scream a little. Everyone's like, oh my god, like it's better than the original. It's like, first of oh, all, how dare you? Down. Yeah, it's your red mix <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah, no, Annie Lennox will not stand yeah. for it but yeah it just but it it totally like that scene of like the hearses driving through the valley and like around the mountain with that song playing was such a like it was a moment right and I feel like that actually for me defined a lot of like uh, I'm not an apologist for like the early horror movies but I feel like a lot of them got we write them off as like a particular moment in time that like late 90s into like the 2000s because the 2000s like the aughts themselves were kind of this really gross time in popular culture it was terrible it was the worst it was time. terrible it's it was the worst the most, timeline aside from just, Limp Bizkit <laughs> yeah aside from Limp Bizkit but oh and I love that you're seeing too like there's a lot of um documentaries and like docuseries being made about aspects of the 2000s right and if you think about like the two documentaries that came out about like Woodstock 99 and like kind of going into that era um you know we forget this is kind of this I I do classify this as a very different than like the scream era of like the late Mm -hmm. 90s right like this was kind of going into the 2000s where suddenly you know the Thinking about the the 2000s era film, I always think of like Blade Two. I always think of like yes. this movie. I think of you know, you know, Ghost Ship. Like there's just so many of these movies that kind of came out in this time period where it was bad CGI, and my God, like the font, the font on the credits oh. on this movie made people on the screen. It was so terrible, but it was just this like thing they were trying to be really slick. Yep. And and it was just they went with slickness. Like one of the things I hate about Thirteen Ghosts, of course, which is the hallmark of the two thousands, was the misogyny. It's just like, and this movie did it a little bit too, right? Where oh, it's yeah. just like, oh, we have an opportunity to just have some mutilated breasts out on the screen. Let's do it. And like, it's just that to me is just such a an a stamp of the two thousands, yes. especially in horror. It's just like let's be really slick. Let's have this like style over substance. And yes, there are still some bangers in that time period. But oh boy, now we're starting to look back as a culture at the at the two thousands. Right, you've seen the docu series, the things about like Woodstock. You're seeing like all these conversations. Like there was like the the Hollister, you know, like the American oh, sorry, the American Eagle documentary, like all these things. And I think just noting or that, that the, like, the Pepsi two- commercial or the Pepsi one the, about the Jets. Yeah, yeah, and it's just this this two yeah. thousands just looking back of being like this was a, a moment in time where it was really misogynistic, really homophobic, you know, really you know, transphobic, racist, like everything, just like, just boiling to these. And I said, like, there are some bangers, but really it's, it's style over substance. And and it was all really slick. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this, even in a separate group chat recently, that this was the worst timeline. Um, And this Mm -hmm. was like when I would have been like around 10 years old, like Mm -hmm. nine, 10, like growing into being a little boy. And I'm exposed to stuff like corn and Limp Biscuit and the new metal scene and Woodstock. And I'm going to movies like House on Haunted Hill and 13 Ghosts. And um, I think that was definitely like a super damaging time for a lot of people. 
but I think that like it was obviously it was important for it to happen because the only way that we can point out how wrong and corrupt it was was to be able to reflect on this stuff. But unfortunately, a lot of people aren't smart enough to see it that way. They're just going to romanticize it, which I know even I I've taken flack on it recently because I went to a new metal night. Uh, Boozy and I we did a whole <laughs> series on new metal. And you know what? Like I loved all that stuff when it was coming out around this time. And then I went through a long period being like, oh, my God, that was just the chalchiest, grossest time in, in music and movies. And it all sucked. Uh, but now, actually, there there are moments of it. I truly do believe that not all of it was bad and not all of it was directed. Like, I don't think everyone who likes Limp Biscuit is a misogynist. I don't no. believe in generalization of just anything. But this period of time was one of the grossest times. It was. It was. Like, especially this movie is such a reminder of that because this is 1999. This is going right into the worst timeline. But look uh, at this, but look at like the cultural pendulum swing, right? Because yeah. you've got like, if you think about like the early 90s, like you had like Riot Girl, you had Grunge, you had like even take like Nirvana and like Kurt Cobain and like those guys, like they would fuck with gender and like their gender presentation, mm -hmm. like on stage. And they were really good with that. There was like even like some of the bands like Pearl Jam and all these other like mm -hmm. a lot of like around grunge, like they weren't really stuck in this like macho mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Um, that's not to say it didn't exist and wasn't in the scene. I'm really quickly summarizing there but like that happened and then you had this cultural shift the pendulum swung and you get to the 2000s where you have like the boy bands and the girl bands right like kind of in the 90s into the 2000s um you see the same thing happen in country music like go to like the early 90s country music and yeah. you had like the queens of country who were singing about like killing their abusive husbands right and then you went yeah. into the 2000s and you got like all the dudes who laid the groundwork for fucking jason aldean and like all the other like bullshit like new country that we have now right but you had that shift where it was like suddenly it went to bro country right you saw the same thing happening in pop music the same thing mm -hmm. happened in rock music the same thing happened in rap music the same thing happened in <laughs> right in and in movies and so that's why like yeah you go into the 2000s and you see that cultural pendulum shift from like people really challenging the status quo and really challenging our ideas around for example gender and what it means to like have certain like gender presentations to this very strict like very you know no homo you know very the idea of like what i mean you can't watch any movie out of the 2000s now like you can't get five ten minutes in without at least hearing one slur right or seeing one joke about like a trans person or one joke about like calling somebody the f word right and that was just such a that's so enigmatic of this time period and i was actually shocked when i watched this movie i was like oh my god there was no there was no slur like it kind of unless you count all the times they're like you know calling people like a slut or whatever right but it's like it, which you know i do but i mean if for that particular example like it, that was just that was the 2000s was this very misogynistic like very very huge cultural pendulum swing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like when I go and I watch these movies, you know, I, it's tough for me to separate from that because I can go back to the time period of watching it. Um, but I'm also really reminded of like, oh man, like you said, like it had to happen because then we can see the movies that have come out of that. Like yeah. the folks who watched those growing up and you and grow made, from it and made better movies, yeah. but mm -hmm. holy shit like that. Uh, it's just the 2000s were a dark, dark hole. It's a dark timeline. May I go on a, a just a little side quest for two seconds here? Just do off of something Please Cassie do. said. So you're talking about how everything was like became more accepted to be like more vile when the 2000s came. It was kind of that idea of that like 
okay, let's push the envelope. And then it turned into like, let's just say the most fucked up shit. Like, I feel like shock rock and, and like, you know, you can, I hate that whole idea of like blaming Marilyn Manson, but just that idea of like, he kind of encompassed the idea of shock rock and everything that came with it. But it just mm-hmm. kind of that idea of pushing the envelope and, you know, even Marilyn Manson uh, pushed the ideas of like, gender you know what i mean in terms of like how he presented himself to people to make it like more outstanding Uh, i guess where i'm going with this is that this is a completely different tangent is uh early 2000s my girlfriend randomly watched this movie and i decided to sit down and watch it it's a a comedy movie from the early 2000s called sugar and spice oh my god i saw that in the theater okay marson yeah i'd never heard of it but she's like it's a heist movie that's also like a teen drama and i was like Okay, sure, I'll watch it. Yeah. And there is a recurring thing in here about them calling this one character on the cheerleading team the F slur. And they go yeah. through the whole oh movie and, and it's just it's so accepted. And yeah, just me watching it even like because it's supposed to be You're kind uncomfortable. Of, yeah, but it and the thing is, is it's supposed to be like these mo- this movie is, is directed towards like teens. So so like I get what you're saying, where like a, a ton of this stuff was like and in terms of comedy even you had all this stuff that was, was normalized yeah and they were yeah. pushing pushing it on to people like if if you went to see a teen comedy or watched a teen comedy movie that came out you know in the last like 5 years and it it did something like that you'd be like what the fuck because yeah. it's just yeah like seeing stuff like that anyway i just thought i'd mention sugar and spice and get that onto the terror table and, and but you the, but you did make a good point because like think about how often you go back and watch movies from that point where they use the r word right uh-huh. and you think about how common that was right or people using like oh that's so gay as something yes. derogative yeah. right and derogatory excuse me and like and that was so common when i was growing up in high school and now like that I mean, obviously, I shouldn't say now because we're seeing massive pushback culturally, where there's a ton of hate pushed towards like folks who are you know in the queer community, people mm-hmm. who are trans. But there's, but as you said, there's a bigger pushback too, especially of like youth and young people who are watching these movies now, who are like, they'll go back and like, seeing TikToks of like kids going back and watching the movies we grew up in the 2000s, and they're like, y'all were horrible. Why did you hate gay people so much? Yeah. It's like, well, we didn't, but we weren't. It, but this is what we were told to do. This n- no, you're you're but... you're right. Even with the like, that's yeah. so gay. It was just like, and and like the that's so R worded. It's like stuff like that yeah. was yeah. so ingrained in in so our common. our lingo. Yeah, and and it's like, yeah, we do kind of have like we've grown up to be like a generation that's way more tolerant and pushing for more tolerance. But it is that we were at that weird point where like we were exposed to all this stuff. It was shifting a little bit. Yeah, but it was it was so normalized for us. Like I've had this conversation with my father and like uh, people who have grown up in different generations. And I I do draw a line where I I don't think it's okay just like, yeah, it was it was the time. But the thing is, for me, it's all about did we learn from it? And is Mm -hmm. the person who's saying these things like is are we laughing with them or are we laughing at them? And like this yeah. is going off on such a huge tangent that we got to get back on House and Haunted Hill. We'll but get back a, to it. We'll get back to it. A big thing, but... though, I think it's important for this conversation. I'm happy we can talk about it here is like The Office, one of my favorite shows of all time. And people talk about that show would never exist now. And it's like, yeah, because like people I, like I'd like to think of myself as a pretty socially and politically forward per- thinking person. But the thing is, I never once looked at Michael Scott and thought what he was doing was cool. I was like, he's an idiot. 
Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. what he's saying is wrong. And like, that's what makes and that, it funny. And that's the perspective they give you too. that. He they don't put him on a pedestal that he's a smart person making dumb decisions. Exactly. He's a dumb but person. Making you, dumb decisions. you go back, you go back as far as like the sixties and the seventies with all in the family, which was my dad's favorite show. And I grew up oh, watching yeah. all in the family. And it's still like, there are moments that are really like, I've, I've seen episodes recently in recent years. And some of them I'm like, Oh my God, like, this is like rough. Like this is, it's yeah. tough hearing people talk like this, but at the same time, even back then, we knew that he was a bigot. He was an idiot, mm-hmm. and like, but it's about mm-hmm. you know trying to push people forward rather than just ruining everyone for saying something dumb when everyone was living in the same hive mind. Like, there's a lot of people I... who are act- saying dumb things in this movie and doing dumb things and enacting them. But are they to blame for this, or is it like the the culture that we were we were living in? I think it's for me, it's uh heartwarming when I see like like young kids and like the like especially like generation like Z and and they're they go back and they watch these movies and they're like, oh my God, like no wonder y'all were fucked. Like <laughs> this is terrible. We're like, yeah, no, for sure. We know. Same as you, like you're talking about Mitch going back. Like my dad also loved all in the family. And I don't yeah. know that he always got the subtleties of what and we were same, supposed to be same. aware of about Archie Bunker. Yeah. Um, but it's like now like I could see like, oh, this is the culture that was surrounding my dad, right? I mean, this is what I do. I'm a sociologist, right? Mm-hmm. Like I like to look at the cultural context of a piece of media. And so for me, it's like, I can't watch this movie and not think about the misogyny and kind of the style over substance and those vibes of the 2000s, right? Just like, we can't go back and look at that stuff that our parents watch and not be aware of like how that was informed by larger cultural shifts. So yeah. mm-hmm. I think it's kind of interesting but also rewarding being like a horror fan and going back and looking at this and then seeing that from that the same folks who are around our age like somebody like Ari Aster grew up watching yep. these movies and now he's making the beautiful the movies that he's stuff. making yeah exactly so it's like I think you're right like can we go back I think if we go back and we watch these movies and we're uncomfortable when they use slurs um if we go back and watch them and you know we're we're upset about what we see I think that's a good thing I think yeah. it's as you said it's us learning as acknowledgement it doesn't mean we can't go back and like watch and enjoy it was like going back and watching fear with my friend and we just pointed out how many times they were using like slurs that were related yeah. to sex work or how many times they were slut shaming and you know oh, we still classic. had a good we still had a good laugh watching that movie yeah. but it was like you can watch it and be aware it's the same thing i don't think you can separate art from the artist but you have to be able to like take a critical eye and so i think i know we got to get back to the movie but i think that that's i, no, I think it's I, part it's of it you know what i mean yeah. it's yeah. part of it and so much of that just informed as i was watching this movie it was just like i i'm shocked there weren't there wasn't more nudity to be frank with you, but I wasn't shocked at the amount of like mutilated breasts that show up showed up in the movie, right? Mm. So it's not like yeah, oh, it's yes, been a mainstay the, in horror for the two thousands. <laughs> yeah, and like that's the most interesting thing about having this conversation on a horror podcast is that like horror has always d- dabbled in misogyny in some way or the other. But mm-hmm. the thing is, and that's even like I think it's so lazy when a lot of people just write off a movie saying it's misogynist when it's like, but it it's a horror movie do you do you want your villain to just be a great guy like it's a lot of that is the villain is misogynistic like that's yeah dating back to serial killers and like what makes people evil is mm-hmm. misogyny is a part of that mm-hmm. and we can't pretend like it doesn't exist because it does yeah mm-hmm. i think it's when it's when it becomes shorthand right and uh, you see a lot more of this conversation around like and i know i've talked about it on the show before too right um when you have representations of of mental illness, right? Where it's like, oh, well, just make the person 
crazy, quote unquote, you know, yeah. um, they got you know, they're crazy. And, they got bags under their eyes and they have various pills. That's mm-hmm. that's the character. That's that if guy, you, if right? you have medication, you're you're sick. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, even yeah. even, you know, or things around like where we see a lot of, you know, like queer identities have such like an intricate, you know, relationship with horror and, and especially behind the scenes and like, cre- like queer creators of so many amazing movies. But so often we saw that was like somebody who was queer was set up to be evil because they were, yeah. you know, countering social norms. And so yeah. it's like, it's, it's when it becomes shorthand. And I, this movie, I mean, this movie counters a few things, right? Like for example, the singular character who is not white doesn't die first which is wild and in fact survives the night like (laughs) (laughs) ty diggs survives the night right although ty diggs with like the most overacting ever in a movie but you know it's like you have that like that was like oh that's a little bit different and he wasn't like your immediate stereotype of like a black dude in a horror movie so there was these like little moments of like oh well, oh, that, look, at, I, look at that kind of challenging some things. And then other stuff was like, oh, yeah, that here's all these other stereotypes. Around I'm, I'm just going to assume, sorry, two things. I'm just going to assume that uh, the reason that happened is a response to Deep Blue Sea, because uh, mm. they also they're like, yep, chef surviving. Um, and then the other thing I'll mention is never apologize for pointing that out. Yep. Never <laughs> apologize, which was the year before. Never apologize for your opinions or having these conversations and taking us down that road, because that is an important conversation to have. And we don't get to have that with all of our guests. So, you know, we, we have so many different people no, that I come have... on here from, you know, we have some people that come on here that are much like us that click two rocks together. And, you know, we giggle at that and, and we form an opinion. Because <laughs> like even you said, Cassie, you're like, you're a 13 ghost apologist. I don't like 13 ghosts, but I also can acknowledge what it is. And I'm like, actually, certainly not a fan of 13 ghosts, but, uh, but that's thing, like, me. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's also, I think you might be talking about, cause like I put up a poll and like, I never want to like dunk on people who I barely know. They're like commenting, like, this is my favorite ghost movie. And I'm like, oh my God, well, I put everyone else's picks up on yeah. my story. I can't be like, this fucking sucks, you idiot. It's no, like, for me, I mean, it was like, oh, Shannon Elizabeth was huge for me when I was this age. Well, she was huge we, for everybody. Yeah, exactly. we all loved her. No, I love, and I'm always going to give you guys a hard time on certain things, but you know, I've said before, and and I always say like, like that's one of the things I love about horror is that there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to be a little bit critical, I think, about mm-hmm. the media that we consume, says the, the gal who just started a Grey's Anatomy rewatch. So mm-hmm. like- <laughs> Yeah, you know? no, exactly. <laughs> he he who has not watched really, really, really bad television can throw the first stone, right? So that's <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. But I think it's a uh, yeah, I don't know. I think these conversations are important. This is the stuff that like I find most interesting. Mm-hmm. So but, thank you yeah. for that. I always like coming in and just rambling. What is in the Kool Aid to get everyone to watch? Uh, Grey's Anatomy because you know like Cassie you watch torture so many like different I guess what I was getting at is like when I was like what's Cassie watching lately it's like she's not restarting Grey's Anatomy till the next season comes out so that she can restart it again because I know that that people do that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like maybe I am maybe I'm not what's in the Kool-Aid of that show I I don't know if I can tell you. I think it's there's nostalgia. I think nostalgia is a big part of it. And if right. you want to talk about like Grey's Anatomy, like is not without its own 
problematic stuff, especially because Grey's was coming out in like the mid aughts, right? And it's funny because yeah, now that, that's such a, a long running show that yeah, that would be an interesting following. Oh my gosh, it's it's like watching yourself grow up. It kind of is. Like I actually just watched an episode where they were, you know, they were talking about doing like um gender affirming surgery uh for a trans woman. Is is that a newer season? No, it's a really old season. Really? Like season two or three, but the language they use is different and what we wouldn't be using now to talk about like gender affirmation surgery, right? right? So you can see that at the time they were trying to do it, but then alongside they were using like tons of slurs and like tons of, you know, like the R word showed up in one episode and things right. like that. So the best I can tell you is that it's nostalgia but i i do like going back and rewatching, and yeah i i always joke that it's like being like a sociologist somebody who studies like and the media is my focus so yeah. it's like somebody who studies media it's like i could justify watching anything because i'm like oh no this is for research it's research purposes that i'm re-watching grace anatomy for like the 10th time if your boss ever asks you just like another season of gray is down research acquired yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but you're you're so right in that conversation about just how how much things have changed is where it, it's such an interesting point and we were all kind of in that similar age range too where these were a formative years where this is going on where yeah we we took in so many different things and the landscape changed so much it's it, like you, you said, you can put a critical eye to, to almost anything, but it, it's so interesting also just having grown up and having those formative years in that period mm-hmm. that we grew up and changed so much with that. Not that all of us were were doing all this crazy shit before, but it was just that it, it was so ingrained in, in all this media. It's like, you know, there, there are certain jokes that uh, for the fact that I don't like him, but also it's like people would make Dane, you know, jokes, jokes that Dane Cook would make or, or Jane, jokes that Dane Cook literally made, you know, you'd be parroting these things because you're at that age. And like a lot of it was inappropriate and you wouldn't do it now, but it was just because it was like, you know, same with shocking. Like, yeah. Same with like Borat stuff, you know, like even doing the voice don't is even. like, the, no, huge, nobody huge did. difference, huge difference between Dane Cook and Borat. Borat was nuanced. Dane yeah. Cook was yelling obscenities. Like you, you get what I'm saying that there's so yeah. many things that we just like would parrot or, you know, do our versions of where it's, it's taking sure. from all this, sh- this stuff that was popular yeah. that in comedy, especially because, you know, like, I feel like everybody, it's like, you can like one thing, but then comedy is the other thing. So you take a little bit from that at all points. That's how you're building your personality though, right? And especially like as youth, it's like, we're going back now and we're all making jokes about this movie. But I, this movie, like this movie fucked me up because I actually had a recovered memory watching this of the cold open. In the cold open, like the asylum, I remembered like, oh, I went to see this in the theater with two close friends and I had to walk out because really? I was too scared. No. So no. 1999, I would have been 13, okay, maybe. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't say I was a scaredy cat because I liked a lot it's of a spooky things. It's to be walking out though. There's some disturbing shit in this movie. But then I stayed and loved Scream. Right. So I don't know. I think for me, it was like the pencils through the neck and like the gore and how they were filming. Like the stuff is always like a whatever. Thank you guys for like backing me up and not laughing. I appreciate it. But but that was it. So I did eventually go back and watch the movie again and be like, no, this wasn't so bad. Mm -hmm. But so then last night as I was watching it, I had this like gross feeling where I was like kind of freaked out again. And but of course, you know, I watched it and sat through the whole thing. And then I was reminded of all there's not a lot that's scary in this movie, but there are a couple really creepy moments. The cold open is super creepy. 
with like the live surgery and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where the, I can't remember the character's name, but she's filming in the basement and she lifts her camera up yep. and sees the surgery happen and down and it's I not, loved and that. back up yeah. again. And they stop and look at her like, oh, that still got me. Yep. It was still like, it's such an easy an easy bit but mm-hmm. man the bit sticks and then which that thing kind of comes like the weird like motion animation that they do, they do in that movie. jacob's ladder they do it's, yes it's, shout they, out to jacob's lift, ladder they'd lift that for, and this happens so much especially in these dark castle movies is they would lift stuff from jacob's ladder and seven like you yes. were talking about the credits and it's like oh my god oh. did every movie want to be yellow and they just did. glitchy and it's like you know the one of the reasons why jacob's ladder holds up as one of the greatest horror movies of all time is because those effects held they had a purpose for the story Mm -hmm. with house on haunted hill the purpose was to scare you and i think that they actually you know like i grew up i was nine years old when this movie came out and it scared the shit out of me this set off a whole trend in horror uh but this was like one of the first big ones that really started getting teenagers back into the movie theaters and uh now I, i don't know when was the last time you guys saw this movie before like watching it for this episode yeah I actually think I, the last time I would have seen it would have been like, what's funny is I don't remember what I remember walking out of the theater when it was too much for me. I don't remember when I revisited it after that. So I, I probably, whenever that was, so not long after maybe a couple of years. So it's probably been like, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since I've watched this movie. And so going back in, I had fun. I totally forgot Jeffrey Rush was in it. I forgot most of the cast were in it. Um, I forgot, as I said, kind of a little bit earlier, we were talking about the practical effects. I forgot how good the, a lot of the practical effects were. Some of the CGI effects, like the ghosts at the yeah. end, the house, the house is evil. It, it leaves a lot so to much. be desired on that end. Yeah, yeah. But, that's, but there's a reason that that stuff got to me because it was really well done, I think, especially for the time. And mm. so it's... It's been a while. So I genuinely was going back to it with like very few memories, very limited memory of like the cast and the script and everything. So um, it was fun to watch it next to, you know, the original and to see Mm -hmm. how much they were pulling, especially on like the Vincent Price, like characters, but like that, you know, Jeffrey Rush's character's last name was name is Stephen Price, right? Like things like that, that they did. So it was, but it had been a long time since I saw it. And I think that's what made me think about like the two thousands and kind of the, that era of horror too, was just, there's so much in that movie. That was such a, it was such a moment in time. For me, this was the era where I started dipping out of horror. Like, cause Mm. I didn't like this stuff that much when I was a kid. Yeah. It scared me because it felt disturbing, but then you know, we went through the whole J-horror renaissance where those movies weren't doing anything for me. Like, I remember I went to The Grudge and everyone was scared of it. And I was like, the movie just annoyed me. Like, it just didn't do yeah. anything for me. Um, But then there's like, of course, there's still some great movies around this time. Like, there's definitely some amazing movies. But for the longest time, it just kind of all felt like this. Like, I even remember using this as an example. And now looking back on it, knowing it's from 1999, I would I would have been like 18, 19 years old, graduating from high school. And I was watching movies where I was like, it just feels like House on Haunted Hill like from yeah. 1999. Yeah. And this era, it didn't this was not what made me fall in love with the genre. Um, it was once we started going back to like, you know, the 70s and even I there's a lot to say about this movie where, you know, a lot of this does feel like something that William Castle might have made in the 2000s but maybe it's a good thing that william castle didn't have these resources Uh i think so i think so and i think what's interesting too is that as you're talking mitch about like oh this is the era was kind of getting out of horror i'm sitting here going i don't know if i could name 
movies that had an effect on me and kind of the aughts in, in such a singular way. Right. Like, yeah, like you said, like, yeah, like the J-pop kind of stuff, like, like I, re- I remember those movies and going to watch those movies, watching them at parties, that kind of thing. But movies that actually stuck with me. And like this one obviously stuck with me because I had such a visceral reaction to that cold open and being mm. like, oh, yeah, I had to walk out of the theater like little 13 year old me couldn't hack it, um, you know, and I th- and I think that that's that's what's funny now to think back is like, I was like, oh, no, I there's like a huge blank for me for mm-hmm. a while in horror, too. But a good thing to mention here, too, is like it's a movie I like half reviewed last week and I was going to go into it more this week. But like there's no point. Everyone's talked about this movie so much. But The Sixth Sense came out in 1999. And I consider that still one of the best horror movies, one of the best ghost movies absolutely ever made. Like it's I just rewatched it last week and that movie is fucking brilliant. We'll go back to your comment earlier about grief. It couldn't be more different, right? Yeah. But your comment about grief. And that's, and that's, and so then that's what's lacking. I think if we're talking about like ghosts, and I think this is probably something that'll keep coming up through like your, your ghost story, you know, theme that you're doing with the show is that like ghosts is grief, haunted houses is grief, right? Like mm-hmm. think about the home, right? Like the, the house, the home is supposed to be the safe place for us. And suddenly it's not. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, for whatever nefarious, whether it's a killer inside the house, whether it's a, a whodunit murder mystery, whether it's the house itself, like there's always these kinds of themes around hauntings, right? Hauntings are always these things coming back up that we don't want to look at, um, you know, whether it's in our own personal lives, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our home, whether it's in our, our cultural, you know, political history, whatever, what have you. That's what makes, I think, ghost stories really good. That's what makes mm-hmm. the good ghost stories good. Like, of course, I always think like my favorite ghost story of all time is Ghost Story by Peter Straub. It's an incredible mm-hmm. book, incredible yeah. book. Um, I, I try to read it every year if I can around Halloween. Um, but it's, uh, you know, that's a book that has those, those elements of grief and loss and pure terror. And I think this one is like a, this movie is like a fun romp. It's definitely one that it's like, I could go, I could see myself going back and rewatching it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 13 ghosts. I could not, but this one I could, um, but it, it doesn't really feel, neither of these really felt like ghost stories, like proper ghost stories no. to me, which is funny because they're haunted house stories. Mm-hmm. And in this remake, whereas we were talking about the original one, like the, the ghost and the haunting is kind of ambiguous. Yeah. Whereas like in this one, it's very clear, like in the house, they said the house is evil and it's like, is the house evil or is the house just like vengeful, like for the evil that was done in it. So, at least you got some of that element in it, but it's, you know, it's not really to me, like what I, what I want a classic ghost story to be. Mm-hmm. What about you, Boozy? Cause like you, you're a big apologist for a lot of stuff like of this era too. Um, like I know, like one of the, we've talked about this on the show a lot, but around this era, like Valentine and yep. soul survivors, all that kind of stuff. It did urban legend, yeah. urban legend, like that, that was stuff that started making me like kind of turn on the genre at that age. Um, but you were a fan of that. Like, mm-hmm. what? How does House on Haunted Hill stack up to those types of movies? I I'm kind of going to answer two of your questions, so I'll put that all together because you mentioned about like when the last time we saw this. The last time I saw probably saw this was 2002 or 2003, so it's been a very long time ago, and that's that 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 was peak era of uh, divorce playlist movies. Um, so yeah, this is kind of like how Cassie said this first time I'd like put it all together, like watching the full thing front to back. Um, but, but yeah, it's just this one, even though I have so much memory of it, it, overall, it doesn't do a lot for me. Like even to have it on, like I, I, 
I wouldn't even put it on as like a, a party movie, but there are some funny redeeming stuff in this mm-hmm. overall. Um, but yeah, just having, you know, getting back to watching it for the first time in so long, it's, it, it, it doesn't bring me those fond memories that you, you know, you'd want from like an urban legend or something. Like I, I find those more endearing and this, this less. <laughs> And maybe somebody else would have a different point of view. Like yeah. Everybody's kind of got their weird movies that are like their comfort yeah. horror movies. This one, I just don't think would ever make it for me. But it was it was fun to revisit. Yeah, for no. Sure. And yeah. and I really like kind of you had said, I really appreciate the fact that it went a different way with having the house like full on, uh, you know, be really spooky and, and have that personality of its own. And it did like at certain aspects of this feel very uh, Burton-esque, especially when they were doing the uh, the callbacks and, and the flashbacks and everything. It just felt yeah. like the style changed so much. But yes. yeah, I mean, I, overall, I don't have a lot to say about this. You kind of you guys covered a lot of it, like even the CGI, like obviously it's the practicals fine for what it is in this. And yeah, the, the CGI is very much of its time, like a lot of the jokes and everything, but yeah. Like I was not expecting to come into this conversation and me being the one who kind of defends House on Haunted Hill, which I'm still not going to do. I'm still not going to do it because the truth is I can see looking. This movie is very annoying for me. Um, Like all the strobing lights and all of like the, mm-hmm. you know, the Jacob's Ladder isms and all that stuff. Like that's all. Yes, it's very cinematic. All, all the set pieces, they're beautiful. Like it's really great. But the thing is, it's just annoying for me. Like it just annoys me. But after I finished this movie, I did come away from it a little bit differently. I think it's like 13 Ghosts or, uh, you know, a movie that we defend on the podcast a lot, House of Wax. It's, I think House of Wax is way better than this. But like it has its fun moments. And I can see why people are having kind of a bit of a resurgence for this thing. Do you think it's maybe we're coming away? Maybe this is me bringing it full circle back to what we we're talking about, like growing up in the aughts and being around this, like in this kind of really gross popular culture moment and saying like, we've learned and we've done better. Maybe it's, you could look back at it a little bit differently. I don't want to put words in your mouth. This is maybe mm. more what I was thinking. And maybe I'm thinking too, of like what my kid is going to watch in one day too, but maybe I was looking back at it a little softer for myself and a little bit more apologetic for myself to be like, ah, this is the horror you had to work with. Like this is what you had available to you yeah. at that time. And you kind of did the best that you could with it at the time. And now when you know better, you do better. When, when there's better movies to watch, you watch them. But maybe it, it could be a little bit more like softer for our younger selves. Yeah. I think there's just like something that I didn't have when we first started this podcast is an understanding that people just like different things. Mm-hmm. And yes. like, I don't like, I've never liked the music video horror movies. And that's exactly what this is. It definitely just feels like a Marilyn Manson music video. Um, (laughs) And it's just, you know what? I never liked Marilyn Manson to begin with. So why would this movie be for me in any sense of the word? So, uh, but coming away from it, this last viewing, I'm like, like we just did Ghost Ship recently, like a couple of months ago. This is way better than Ghost Ship. Like this is way more entertaining than Ghost Ship. Ghost Ship has the best opening. The opening in that movie might be better than all of House on Haunted Hill, but I do think that this is a more entertaining movie. Okay. I'm team ghost ship. I'm team ghost ship. But anyway, I feel like we're, I feel like we were all way more hyped to talk about the two thousands than we even were this movie, which I think should be like the takeaway from the episode is watch the original. Yeah. Keep or give away the new one. (laughs) Yeah. No, all, all the power to people who enjoy this, this new one, but uh, there there's, you know, for trashy kind of sleazy horror movies, there's so many other ones that I would go to before this. 
Um, yeah. Like even we talked about how House of Wax, like that's that's my house on Haunted Hill. Oh, love it. <laughs> yeah. But this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Cassie, for coming on the show again. It's always a blast to have you here and uh, hope you had a good time. And Aww. yeah. I always have a blast. Thank you both so much for having me. Um, And yeah, you two are just, just fantastic. It's always so much fun to be here. So thanks you. And thanks to all the the listeners who, who like hanging out. It's always fun to interact with folks afterwards. So yeah, it's a hoop. Thank you so much, Cassie. Anytime we get to interact, it's great. I know that we would love to have stretched this conversation out longer, but you know, we all got stuff going on in our personal lives. So you know, please come back for another conversation. I'm in anytime. Maybe we should just yeah. talk about just the 2000s in general because I feel like we were digging into Don't, co- don't <laughs> tempt me because I will do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're going to start opening up the show, I think, to more things, which Boozy and I are going to talk about when uh, we close up tonight. But I uh, got some ideas and it'd be fun to have you back for some of those. So, um, but yeah, Cassie, is there anywhere that our, if our listeners want to keep up with what you're doing, anything you'd like to plug before we close up? Uh, you know, I am on the bird app, but I, I'm kind of on my way out on that as many people are. So you can find me on blue sky. If folks are on blue sky, um, a cinematic education. And, awesome. Yeah, Love that. Looking forward to chatting with folks on there. Yeah. And I know every Halloween, you always do some really fun stuff on social medias and stuff like that. What do you have going on this year that you could, you know, maybe let some of our listeners into if they're interested? Yeah, I just, like I said, I I try to watch a horror movie every day, if not more, um, starting September 1st, all the way through to Halloween. Um, And I always post the movie every day. And then I also post some uh, questions and give feedback on things and, and, you know, try to be really interactive with folks. So, um, I haven't done that on blue sky before. That'd be my first year doing it, but, uh, I'm going to do that this year. So if folks want to follow along. That's, uh, I'm going to fumble my way through and give it a shot. Awesome. We will awesome. link your blue sky in our show notes. So if you're interested, check that out, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, and yeah, we, if you want to keep up with Cassie, you can find out where to, where to follow there, but until next time, Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of The Terror Table. We got lots of fun stuff planned and the roads ahead. Thank you, Cassie, and yeah. hope everyone enjoyed listening. Toodles. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs>